Talking Kong, a cup of tea with an Englishman in San Diego. Season 7, Episode 47. Bill Sienkiewicz. So we are taking your comments, of course, and your questions. If you are watching this now, it means that you've got your notifications turned on. And <laughs> I can imagine we'll have one or two people watching almost out of morbid curiosity <laughs> to see if our invited special guest makes an appearance this time around. Um, it's the top of the hour. I've started a little bit late because, well, yes, Bill Sienkiewicz hasn't arrived yet. Into the blue, mister. I've been waiting for this for a month. No pressure. <laughs> yeah, I've been waiting quite a while for this. But one or two people watching on Facebook, one or two people watching on YouTube. Thank you so much indeed for joining us. Let us know where you're watching from. Um, I think we may have a little bit of meandering at the top of the hour because, um, well, Bill hasn't arrived yet. But I'm being very optimistic. He's got the list. He's, he's, he's got the link. He's ready to go. And I did receive an email. Hi, Clydeen. Pleasure to see you on the uh, the stream, uh, on the comments. Welcome along. Yes, the, the comment was, and this was at 2 o'clock this afternoon, so four hours ago, all good. Speak with you soon. <laughs> so we'll see what happens. Aaron Neighbors, hola from San Diego. Um, just to explain, uh, I mentioned Clydeen Nee there. Um, I just want to uh, wish her all the very, very best. Because uh, Clydeen, uh, if you don't know, um, is the person that puts together the Artist Alley at San Diego Comic-Con, which means she's got herself an additional challenge this time around. For the virtual con, it's going to be, I can imagine, something slightly different. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to seeing what San Diego Comic-Con do and also what uh, Clydeen gets up to and how the artists are going to be represented on screen. So fingers crossed. Uh, really, I'm I'm really rooting for Clydeen and for what uh, Comic Con International got planned for uh, next month uh, for Comic Con at home. Uh, we've been talking about it a lot on the uh, the the show, and um, we'll be supporting it. If you saw also the uh, the update um, with the incredible uh, Ray Bradbury inspired uh, cover, so they are effectively running uh, Comic Con International as it's going to be a full San Diego Comic-Con with panels running exactly the same as you would have Thursday through um, Sunday. So I think they're going to be running an actual programmed uh, panel lineup. Um, Clyde Nee, I hear there's going to be lots of things planned for the two, uh, YouTube channel, so join the Toucan blog, absolutely. Uh, Tina Gans uh, watching, hey, I'm still awake. 
Thank you so much indeed for coming along, uh, Tina. If you didn't catch uh, the live stream with Tina and uh, Fred Van Lenty, don't ask me how, but YouTube managed to lose it uh, and deleted the entire episode. Um, I found it on another uh, one of our streams. I re-uploaded it. It's well worth checking out because it's a lot of fun. Um, that was a good episode. Uh, Into the Blue, Mr. Uh, wing It. Yes, I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about things we can talk about. And hey, if you've been following drama on um, social media regarding um, a whole host of topics uh, when it comes to the comics industry, um, we could get into a pretty serious conversation. Um, and it's something that we could get into. Daniel Betts is watching from sunny Harlow. Um, welcome along, Daniel. And Into the Blue Mister is reminding us uh, of our guest that's coming, hopefully going to be coming along. I've got every one of Bill's sketchbooks. I spent so much time trawling eBay for them I, that I can now type his last na name without looking. Likewise, uh, so can I. Um, Andrew Dickinson, so Hall H is going to finish at 3 a.m. Um, in the, here in the UK, yes. That's how I suspect it would work. Considering that um, you, uh, if anybody caught uh, Fat Man Beyond, uh, I watched the, the replay today of uh, Kevin Smith and Mark Bernardin's um, session uh, live from the uh, Scum and Villainy uh, Cantina in uh, downtown LA. And it pretty much started off with the pair of them bantering off each other. Um, Mark obviously has got something very exciting planned coming down the line. So that's something to do possibly with his writing and uh, really looking forward to seeing what he does because he is, for me, one of the most creators out there. Do check out um, his Plague uh, nerd Nerdologues. It's a very strange title, but very much worth, worth checking out. But uh, Kevin at the top of that show did reveal that, uh, that he is going to be doing his Hall H panel, uh, which is traditionally at the end of uh, Saturday. Once you've got all your WBs and your uh, well, you won't have WB this time around. Uh, your Marvels, all your big studio things, and they are going to be doing some studio panels. So presentations based around the various pro um, projects going to be coming up. Um, all of that is going to be uh, happening presumably as normal. And then right at the end, you're going to have an hour and a half, two hours of Kevin Smith um, basically talking, uh, extolling to camera. Now, I don't know how that's going to be any different to uh, how he's no how he normally works because that's what he does in front of his webcam usually, and I find Kevin Smith works better in front of an audience. Um, it's it's one of those things, uh, and you can understand why he still gets work in Hollywood, why he is still the most one of the most popular um, talkers out there because you stick an audience in front of him, the man can fly. Um, I get that. I, uh, as a DJ myself, I understand there's a difference between talking to a camera uh, and talking to an actual room for an, an audience. Six and a half thousand people have, uh, hanging on your every word, unless there's a Star Wars concert going off somewhere. Um, Kevin Smith really is just something else. Uh, Andrew Dixon, uh, Kevin Smith last uh, year was absolutely manic, and he does feed off the room, absolutely. Matt Dunford's joining us. Uh, LOLO. Um, if things um, still remain a little bit quiet uh, in terms of uh, Mr. Sienkiewicz, um let's have a look if we've got... Uh, he's having trouble logging in, uh, by all accounts. Ah. Um, we'll share, share the link again, and we'll see what happens. But apparently he's trying, so you never know. He may arrive at any second. So, But, um, yeah. Um, 
loads of panels being kind of eked out. Uh, you're going to see them certainly on uh, the unofficial blog uh, posting a whole bunch on that. Uh, you've got the, 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 the eking out there very much in the same way as you would get at, a norm, at the standard San Diego Comic-Con. And I suspect that two weeks out from um, the normal programming days, um, you're going to get exactly how you would get um, at a standard San Diego Comic-Con. Two weeks before, you're going to be um, having the programming for uh, Comic-Con at home being released day by day. And I'm really curious to see how much content we're looking at, how we're going to be having the numerous um, tracks, the numerous programming. Uh, so in terms of what would be in Hall H, in Ballroom 20, in um, Indigo, in all the small rooms, and also those um, kind of like the small rooms of the convention center, how that's going to go. Uh, I think it's going to be released in uh, two weeks leading up to it. Um, Andrew Dickerson is convinced that the shed lists are going to be uh, going out uh, as standard as you would um, get in the uh, the application. Interesting. I'd be curious to see if there's enough content to justify that, but that'd be interesting. So there we go. Sarita P is joining us. Hello, all. Um, I think we will. We will definitely talk about... Um, uh, the comic book legal defense fund. And I think we'll touch on that at the end of the show. Um, it's something that I feel needs to be addressed. Um, I'm, I'm, I, I, I do want to make sure that we cover things like that. Um, it's safe to say that over the last 24, 48 hours, there's been quite a bit of an upheaval, um, Comics, the comics industry is kind of going through its own Me Too uh, period. It did already, but now it's there's a lot of um, there's a lot of uh, news and a lot of announcements and a lot of accusations. Um, but we'll get into all of that. I think at the back end of the show, we'll see what happens. Carol uh, is joining us. Good morning from Juni, gloomy San Diego. Ah, that's interesting. Considering that here in the UK, um, I've currently got the doors closed because I don't want to be disturbed by the cat and I don't want to be just kind of like disturbed, but I really could do some fresh air in this room because it's absolutely cooking here in the UK at the moment. Uh, Andrew Dickerson is mentioning, I think the word you're looking for is floodgate. It is. It does seem that there's just a raft of all of this, um, these um, revelations uh, that have come out. Um, Mark Gage, what's up with the con? Um, if you're asking about, well, at the end of the day, San Diego Comic-Con isn't going ahead, um, uh, or it is going ahead in a, in a virtual space. Uh, Comic-Con at home uh, is what they're actually producing. Um, it's They're lining it up very much like it will be as if it was actually for real, uh, happening um, in a, a physical space as though we ha had 160, 170,000 people descending on San Diego, um, San Diego as a city. They are treating it as though that's actually happening, um, to the point where, as a representative of uh, press, that someone who reports on San Diego Comic-Con, we had to go into the press portal of the member ID. We had to apply for press, which means we're going to be getting all the emails, as usual, for interviews, 
regarding uh, exhibitors and uh, dealers. Um, we're going to be getting all of that. Uh, that's going to be interesting. How they how they are actually going to do it? So this is Meg. I think two weeks before is a bad idea. Playing this like an actual Comic Con is a bit tone deaf. People are not going to have the the time off work. Uh, the people working that is, and it might lead to a low audience. Maybe for the Thursday programming, and maybe a little bit for the Friday. But who knows? Um, we'll we'll see. We'll see how San Diego Comic Con is going to go ahead. Um, but that's all. Um, in a month's time. Uh, we're going to keep an eye on the programming, obviously, but how it uh, will actually go ahead is um, entirely down to San Diego at this point, and we'll look for the program as it, as it comes. We have somebody in a small window, and I'm going to bring him on. To right now. How are you? <laughs> Wilson Kevich. Hello there. Sorry how for the, uh, the script. I actually... Uh... <laughs> Hello. Hello. Hello there. So I'm, so, I'm so sorry for missing the last... Uh... The last one, I, I don't know what the hell happened, but um, I'm not surprised. I know, I know exactly what <laughs> that happened. Is, that it all kind of goes sideways. I know exactly uh, anyway, what Anyway, good happened. to see you. You too. I know exactly What's what that? happened. You were having multiple meetings that day. <laughs> Your head was being pulled in several was, directions. Pro that's probably what it was. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, it's, uh, you know, it, it even under all of these lockdown scenarios that were, or the global one it just seems to be uh in some respects busier than ever but we're all adjusting to this <clears throat> this new technology and uh you know not new technology but like they think there's how many different kinds of uh streaming <laughs> applications now yeah yeah Platforms. tell me about it i think i've been very lucky in that i've managed to have maybe two zoom calls i just kept them really at a minimum i'm just really right. I've kind of kept it to my live streams and just uh, dealt with it with that but bill it's a pleasure right. to well, have it's you great, on the show. great to be here thank you so much indeed for coming Real on pleasure. um Real uh, pleasure. i mean I, thanks so I much know... for the inv invitation oh no no it's i mean it, it's thank a pleasure you. i mean the last time oh, I, I met you in person at uh, the last San Diego Comic-Con I went to mm -hmm. uh, in yes. 2018. I remember. And that was, uh, I mean, it was the preview night. It was a fun day anyway, because I'd just come from Kim Jong-Gi's um, booth, which had blown my mind anyway. And then to come and uh, speak to yourself as well. It was such a fun day. Um, I mean, I think we might as well start, because this is uh, um, a podcast which is prim primarily about conventions, and we'll get into... The, your career and other bits and pieces as well. But we'll start with that. I mean, what is it about San Diego Comic-Con which makes that show just so special for you? Uh, I think I think unlike other shows in the U.S., it, it, it feels like it's much more of a global convention. It feels more European in some respects. Um, uh, I mean, one of the things about European conventions like Luca or even UCAC, like, even, you know, you get might mostly get people from the UK where Luca it's international and San Diego certainly has that. Even New York to some extent has it though, not quite as much because, you know, uh, although they're, they are making changes in New York, uh, you know, the, the Javits is not nearly as inviting as San Diego. Right. So, I mean, I, I know that, um, we've got, uh, this new virtual San Diego Comic-Con, which is, like I say, we were talking before you yes. uh, joined us. Um, I don't know, is is that something that you've been approached uh, to participate in? Will you be doing something at yes. uh, Comic-Con at home? You are. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, certainly with uh, with uh, Sal uh, Abenanti, who, you know, he, he um, handles 
Alex Ross's work and my work. So we're actually, and with Chris Roop uh, at uh, at Roop's Comics, uh, who handles a lot of the online stuff, we're sort of working together to present not only original art, but also some kind of um, interactive kind of a thing as well. So um, yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see, to see how it how it all shakes out. But yeah, I've been I've been approached, and I'm definitely uh, you know in for it. So excellent, looking forward to that. Yeah. Um, and I mean, what when it comes to the pandemic and the way it just and the, the very the very abrupt way that it sent the world sideways. Uh, I mean, how what was your convention twenty twenty looking this year? I mean, what kind of show? I know you were doing Lake Como was lined up and right. a couple of other shows. What was your convention year looking like this year? It was. I was trying to. Uh, I mean, I Como I fell in love with, so that was a definite go. Uh, you know, for me. Um, I had a couple of other shows sort of lined up, but I was trying to keep it a little bit more open this year, if only because um, at the uh, beginning of January, I bought a house in Los Angeles in the hills. And um, so there was no way I was not going to do Como, but I was, I thought I'd, I'll be out of here. I'll be moved by then and everything will be somewhat normalized, you know, quote unquote. But uh you know, then immediately upon getting a, a few things in there, the shutdown happened and, the, you know, stay at home. And, and they pretty much put a, a kibosh on any kind of moving and, yeah. and packing and stuff like that. So um, so right now, I mean, thank God for the for the, uh, you know, the interaction that we can have online. But my shows were uh, there was probably maybe three shows uh, that I had planned, plus a teaching gig in uh, in uh kansas city which would have been maybe a month or so ago right uh but it was it was really kind of a, a little bit quieter this year um in terms of of the intended shows but uh um but you know being uh, being uh, you know what it is how how's, how are you coping with all the uh um well, I mean, I, I think my situation has been well documented on various episodes of this. Uh, right. This has been this has been a COVID house. We have uh, my father uh, got struck with it. My uh, wife had oh, really? as well. Uh, my father, yeah, it knocked him absolutely for six. Um, how how is term, he now? Um, he is actually back in hospital, but that's more for monitoring because the one thing that COVID does as a resp respiratory disease is it just totally destroys your lungs. Uh, right. So bre breathing's a, a, a big problem. So it, yeah, it's it. We learn in this house very, very quickly. It's not something to disrespect. So when we hear about lifting of rest restrictions and first waves, second waves, whether we're actually still out of a first wave, we right. don't disrespect COVID in this house whatsoever. So we've got masks everywhere and we're disinfecting and no, we're, we're doing oh, what we yeah. can. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, uh, that, I mean, that's good. I mean, I, I do wish your father well. Hope he's- Thank uh, you. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's recovering nicely and, uh, you know, and you've been okay as well. Have I've been, been okay. Um, although I suspect I had COVID back in February because, uh, I got struck with the mother of all chest infections that did not feel normal. That didn't feel uh, like a standard, uh, infection. So that was before we even knew what COVID was before. Forgive me for asking, had you had like bronchitis or things like that before? No, or? This okay, was, yeah. this was, this was something else. 
Oh, was, interesting. Was, oh, yeah, this was something else. Um, for yourself, um, during lockdown, I mean, I know that you've been doing a lot of podcasts and live streams, uh, including this one, and thank you so much for coming on. I mean, was it? did it become a way to stay connected and talk to people? Um, uh, or you know, yeah. just to kind of stave off the boredom, as it were. I mean, what was what was what's been your um, lockdown like in that regard? In uh, at first, it started. I mean, the running joke between fellow freelancers is that it's um, it's you know it's kind of a uh, uh, par for the course. It's almost like it's, <laughs> there's no real difference, you know. Uh, but uh, as time went on it started to get a little crazier. I mean, uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty much Punxsutawney Phil when it comes to conventions, I'll pop my head out every, you know, or work, <laughs> I'll pop my head out every now and then, um, sort of touch base with people and then sort of scurry back, scurry back to the, the shadows to, you know, where my, you know, the light sort of illuminates only what I'm working on and, and everything else is sort of becomes secondary. But, um, uh, when I agreed to do a few of these early on, um, one thing that struck me was that I realized that I spend so much time by myself that when I actually have to actually speak with someone, yeah. I actually have to practice talking before I actually get online because it's, I'll realize that I, I sound like I've just awakened or else I, or I'm just, <clears throat> you know, yeah. oh yeah, I, I actually have to speak, speak out loud. You know, so um, it's it's been um, it's been fun to do it. I actually really have enjoyed the uh, the connection, and I think it really depends on who you are or what you're like as a person. But I yeah. find that um, uh, I ended up realizing that how much I had missed the interaction with people. You know, um, the things that we do when we go to shows, and obviously, as you well know, I mean, one of the one of the the really wonderful things about the show is not only getting to see, you know, amazing art and, and panels and stuff like that, but just to reconnect with friends and, uh, you know, sit down, that have is, a meal. That is know. absolutely the thing that, I mean, you'd be talking uh, to so many people online and while we're looking forward to all of the content that um, CCI is going to be announcing for July, that's not necessarily the reason why we go to San Diego that right. in that regard we go for the community we go for the the friends that we make and the, the family that we've made um, I, de I definitely yeah. have a convention family and that that is going to be difficult and it's good to miss that bunch this year yeah well do you think do, now this is a question for you I'm, I'm curious do, do you think how do you think we're going to change or let's just keep and keeping it on the convention scene like if and, and when, well, I'm going to say when, when they relax all of this and it's safe to kind of actually get together, how do you think it's going to change the interactions or I think going forward? On, within the next, for the next 12 months, uh, I think you're going to be seeing a lot of, if anything, at a convention, it's very loose um, in that the crowds almost organize themselves. They organize their own lines. They kind of create their own navigation. I think that's going to be a little bit more regimented. There's going to be a lot more um, tape on the floor. It's going to be it's going to be a very organised kind of chaos. Um, so I think there's going to be more of that. There's going to be on a, an actual level of the crowd going to a convention. I think we're we're already being trained and conditioned to keep our distance from each other. 
just out of um, personal safety and safety of other people. So I think we're almost going to navigate it that way. Um, for the interactions with um, talent, I think that's going to be difficult. Um, I think we're not going to see so many legacy um, creators because at the end of the day, they're not going to want to put themselves in a place of risk. Sure. Uh, so I think um, some real icons of the comic industry, they may decide to uh, to not get on the plane in the first place. Uh, so th I think there's going to be some changes, but I think it's just going to be more of a slightly tighter ship. Um, yeah. But that's down the line. That, I mean, I'm that's July no, next year. Sure. That's what I'm thinking. Right in the I, short I, in the short term. I mean, we've been talking on the show about New York. That we think is a no go. We I, we can't see how it can work in Javits in in this current climate. Well, I think also because not only just simply because we we don't know which wave we're in yet. Like as you said, you know, this could it could be certainly here in California. We're finding that even with the opening here in LA in California and California has been pretty good in terms of keeping on top of it. But even so there's been a spike um, yeah. since they've opened up, you know, other areas of the country. I mean, even, you know, bringing up the Tulsa experience. I mean, I think there were quite a few people that, that, I mean, for all of the people, whether they got trolled or not in terms of all of the, uh, you know, the K-pop bands, I do think that, um, a lot more people, even in the in the denier camp, were probably a little bit more aware. It's going to be a definite eye opener uh, yeah. for 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 that um, that side of the yeah. argument. Yeah, yeah. But I think you're right, and I I mean one of the the uh, the upsides or possible workarounds is that uh, you know certainly with San Diego. I mean, as you know, when you're trying to leave the convention center at the end of the day, those crowds waiting to pass the trains, you know. Um, well, literally, people are shoulder to shoulder. I think that's yeah. going to be an issue. But I, I, a lot more people, I think, will be selecting cosplay where, where they actually have masks that that are part of the deal. You know, we brought we brought that up on the last episode. We thought uh, lots of Bane's, uh, lots of uh, Hannibal Lecter's. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, we're going to see a lot of that. And uh, when it comes to the um, San Diego Convention Center, though, I think one of its primary design advantages is just the amount of doors and the ability to have a very controlled in and out of uh, a crowd and a real good way of monitoring and that, crowd, crowd a, control. That's a really good point. I mean, one of the things I also think is because, you know, because they have the new, the new technology with the, uh, the, the chips, you know, when you beep in, I mean, it's, it's not inconceivable that they're going to have people there with, you know, uh, temperature monitors to make sure yep. that anybody coming in. Um, and, uh, but I, I do think that, that whatever they call the new normal, I do think that um, uh, just simply on, on a human level, you know, forget you know, like even, even the aspect of the economy and everything else. I mean, we are a social species, you know, and uh, I think that we, we like the idea that, uh, um, I mean, like you said, you know, going to the shows is, is really about, um, you know, San Diego specifically in this case, it's, you know, it's, it's about, you know, the weather and it's about, you know, being able to, to see so many uh, uh, great people and go to terrific restaurants 
et cetera, et cetera. All of those things that we sort of took for granted for all of those years, you know, each one is going to need to be addressed. As far as New York, I mean, I, I don't know if the if the Javits is still um, well. That, I mean, that, that a was part, a question. like a, a part hospital now or, or not. Yeah. It, well, that's the question I asked of a couple of guests, and uh, unfortunately, they hadn't actually been to New York Comic Con. Uh, this was Fred Van Lenty, who, had, okay. who hadn't. I thought he. I thought he'd gone, so I asked the question. Uh, you've you've been to the building. Um, so oh yeah, many. Yeah, so yeah. you so you know so you know the the, the building itself. Like I say, San Diego has that kind of like inbuilt ability because of that, the amount of access points. What's the Javis Center like in terms of actually crowds getting into it and getting out of it? Does it is, is the same similar kind of mechanics built into the design of the building? They actually only allow entrance at one specific area and they have it set up with metal detectors and bag inspections. So literally like you're going through the airport. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, and then they have uh, readers. Not they have individual people with the with the actual uh, scanners, um, as opposed to San Diego, where you just swipe yourself in. Um, when you leave, that's a whole. I mean, there are plenty of of other exits, but um, it's a little bit more like attack on you know cell block thirteen in in uh, you know in New York, um, and. Uh, just simply also the environment around the area, even though they're, they're doing complete renovation of that whole area. Um, uh, because years ago, you know, when, when New York had a number of smaller shows, like at the Roosevelt and, uh, you know, one day shows, um, the problem there was, was that, uh, uh, you know, they were, they were small. So New York trying to get everybody into the Javits was, uh, uh, was great, but the, the you know there were there were really no hotels nearby. I mean, you'd have to you know uh, either cab it someplace um, you know many blocks away. Yeah. Um, I, I even I, even when I lived in Connecticut, which was an hour away by train, um, I would still try to find a hotel nearby. Or if I was lucky, I uh, one of my friends who uh, was on a TV show had a place way uptown, and. Um, he let me stay at his 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 apartment on the Upper West Side, which was great. Uh, but but well, well, getting... it was it's like it's like Thought Bubble here. Um, mm -hmm. I mean Harrogate and Leeds, it's twenty minutes away from me. But right. when when we go to that, we want to stay in a hotel because we want it to be a trip well, it's, it's away. We want experience. it to be absolutely. yeah, absolutely yeah. yeah. Well, I've talked to uh, to to Tula quite often. I mean, I've been invited to Thought Bubble, and she and I are in contact constantly it's you know that uh i think i'd even said like this is going to be the year i'm going to be i'll be there you know and it, it's so um uh it, you know it, it is something to look forward to i think not only to see everybody and to kind of get back into the into the swing of things but also just to you know meet people again in real in real life you know and just talk yeah. to them it's like that sense of being liberated you know and uh, because it's really easy with with the escapism that comics allow, there is that there is that familial aspect to it. It would be really really nice to be able to um, meet up with people and actually talk about the work and talk about you know, as opposed to with this sort of Damocles hanging over everyone's head, you know. So I was we we had Declan Shelby on a couple of uh, oh, okay. episodes ago, and I actually asked that question because uh, the question was. At a convention, and when you kind of you're talking to somebody, 
how many questions does it take to actually kind of have a, an actual conversation with somebody and talk about something which isn't comics? And Declan turned around and goes, no, I just want to talk about comics. I love talking about comics. I love talking about comic art. I love nerding out and talking about sure. craft. And that's funny. That's that's great. That's great. I, I think that that's uh, he's, he's pretty much speaking for a lot of people right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, you know, there was a show that happened here. What was it? A month or two ago? I I don't know. I forget where it was. Was it Florida or Atlanta? They were trying to have some small show here in the right. states. Well, I know. And I know. I, Tam I, Tampa is. Yeah, it was Tampa. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think it. I don't think it. 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 Uh, I think if anything, it sort of proved how um, premature that was. Yeah. You know. So. Um, uh, but um, this will be. This is the biggest convention, obviously, aside from say Sun in Europe, like Luca or whatever. But it'll be interesting to see how they translate the convention experience, which is all about interaction with, you know, I mean, there is in a weird way, this is, you know, there's hall H where you see the celebrities and then you see people online where you can actually have a lot of people, you know, actors, writers, whatever, who can sort of, you know, come together um, in, in the, you know, without having to travel. But um but again, it's not quite the same as seeing them in person, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah. but I'll be curious to see how it goes. I'm really hoping um, it does well, uh, if only to prove that you know fans are are solid, solidly behind the conventions. But also because uh, I don't think anybody really prefers to have a no. an online convention, but it'll do in a pinch. You know, so and, you know, at the, at the end of the day, it's not like we have a choice. For our sake and for everybody else, else's sake, it has to be the way that it, it goes. Okay. I had a quick question for you. How many shows do you usually do a year? I, um, I usually hit around anywhere between 13, 15, something like that. Okay. Um, last year, a little bit more because okay. uh, we we didn't we decided that we weren't going to go to San Diego last year because uh, funds really were quite tight. Uh, so we decided we were going to come back bigger, bolder, badder, better in 2020. <laughs> Nicely, great. Uh, great. Um, <laughs> so we did a whole bunch of shows, uh, certainly in the UK um, uh, last year. Uh, so we did uh, we did more than. Uh, our fair share, and I also hosted, uh, panel hosted at more shows last year as well. Right. So I got invited to a whole bunch. So no, I, I did more shows last year than I would usually do, but we right. we were all kind of geared up and ready to go for this summer, and then the yeah. hammer dropped. Well, how, how did you How did you like doing the the uh, the shows? Your show from the conventions that must have been wonderful, it's, actually. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean. I, I mean, 2010 was my first San Diego Comic-Con. 2012 was my first, uh, I put together a, a UK attendees group. So I was starting to become a little bit more um, bigger and uh, involved in the online community. 2014, I appeared on my first panel. 2015 was my first panel hosting. So it's literally, it's snowballed really in a very short space of time. Uh, right. So... I, 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 then again, my training is as a, a mobile DJ with a microphone in my hand, with a crowd in front of me. You put a crowd in front of me, I'll sure, I'll tear, yeah. I'll tear, I'll tear a roof off. Um, 
but it's this that's the, the the difference i mean you can do uh, sessions like this and i'm enjoying talking to you thank you so uh, again oh no it's, it's absolutely but, my pleasure and i will uh will uh, i i i still owe you one from from the one that i missed <laughs> so we can do this again sometime hopefully we'll, we'll get a chance to eventually do it in person you know but i have no problem right that. now it's like uh, i would uh, you know i would love yeah. to to do it Again, but, but put, um, a, put a crowd in front of me though, and it's a different ball game. It's, I mean, okay. it's the other reason why I like doing these live sessions because, um, just to remind everybody, I am keeping a track on your questions the best I can. We have got a whole bunch of, oh, sure, no, okay. I don't want to, you know, I don't, uh, no, no, I'll no. be here for as long as you need me. So, uh, <laughs> thank you. Uh, uh, so, we've got plenty of those uh, to get into. So, but they, I mean, in, on your question, to have an audience and to, I mean, the way that I do these shows, um, it's very. This is very much for the audience. It's for the co co uh, convention community and fans of comics in general to just and pop culture to just come together and celebrate the events that we would no normally go face to face. I mean, when it comes to those convention highlights and those interactions with fans, I mean, is, are there any that kind of jump out in mind as those uh, highlights of? Uh, of a, a convention where a fan has come up and uh, said hi. Um, yeah, they've. I mean, you know, there's always the like the um, the the sort of fun ones that where you know um, uh, there there I, I look conventions as a chance to really meet um, the people that allow me to put food on my table, so to speak. So it's like I don't take any of that for granted. So meeting fans. Sure. Um, uh, you know, and, and again, my love of the medium. So, you know, and, and again, getting to see fellow pros that I don't get a chance to see as well, but having some, you know, really wonderful interactions with fans. Um, I've uh, usually, even though I tend to be a little bit, quite a bit more vocal about politics and stuff like that, I do find that that at shows, um, any of the the, let's say, far right, kind of people you know they tend to stay away you know yeah. they you know from me um uh well, but, I, th uh, I think from conventions in general i mean when you talk about the liberal arts that's pretty much what we're right. dealing with at the uh, conventions but i mean i when i've spoken uh, to uh, people in lines and whatever I, I meet people from all sides of the political spectrum yes. but i think at conventions it's more a case of okay that gets left at the door it, it really does. Yes. Yeah. I've even had people who have actually come to me and said, you know, even though like I may not agree with everything you post or whatever, but, you know, when they come where they're actually talking about a specific issue or a character, um, it, it actually acts as a very nice kind of um, peace pipe, so to speak, you know, to use a, a, that phrase. It, it's a. Uh, you know, it, it, it's, it allows for a bit of detente, you know, to kind yeah. of uh, get in there where you're really just talking about the art. Um, you know, and then there have been like the wonderful kind of like experiences it shows where like in New York and in, uh, yeah, New York, I think a year or so ago, um, you know, I got to see uh, uh, friends like Taika, you know, YTD, you know, YTD for, who, who would literally come by the booth and, you know, get a chance to talk or, or other people that I don't see except perhaps, um, you know, because they live so far away. So um, uh, just that little bit of human contact, you know, or, or being able to sit down and maybe grab a, grab a drink or a meal 
is is a is a nice thing, you know. But uh, but what's what, could, what's the percentage of people coming to kind of so like bow at the altar of Sienkiewicz and those yeah. that <laughs> and those that are really kind of the the up and coming artists that want to know craft that want to know industry. I mean, how many? Uh, what's the kind of percentage? And do, do you really? Because there's only so much time. Time is kind of finer, finite yes. at conventions. Right. I can imagine that those conversations, you really want to spend some time and help up-and-coming up artists. Yeah, and it, I do. Um, and if I have smaller shows, uh, one thing I've had to do is, is, um, is sort of cut back on a lot of the uh, portfolio reviews that I would, I would be asked to do. Um, I'll do them occasionally, but... Um, I find that conventions are not the best place for that because they tend to be a little bit um, because you mentioned with time. And also if someone is bringing something for me to look at and they want my feedback uh, in order to really sort of feel like I'm giving them the, the amount of time and, and respect that they deserve for, for, you know, for it, I, I actually prefer to have them, uh, you know, either send me stuff later through the, through email, I'll give them my email address or um, and I get a chance to actually look it over and respond one on one, even through Messenger or something like that. So um, you know, a one on one. But um, but like again, at the shows, I've actually also had to sort of you know have people like especially in San Diego um, at the booth, there are people who sort of are handlers and things like that. Yeah. Um, but at the very you know very least i mean i, I want I, I want to be able to have an interaction with each fan you know and talk to them because it, it's as much of a of a, an experience for me it's it's not all it doesn't all flow one direction i find that i'm really interested in people like like yourself it's like you know you came from where it's like and you know and and finding out that uh, um i mean it's a great it's a wonderful medium but also what what it provides is a really interesting way to meet other people uh, who share a similar love and who also have very different lives, you yeah. know, and, um, and to me, it, it's, it's just, uh, uh, it speaks to the universality of it as well, which I really, I really love. And I'm finding that more and more, you know, yeah. the, the more I do, but, um, uh, but, but, you know, there are some, there are some adjustments that need to be made, you know, or have been made over the years. Um, uh, but I was talking when I was with, Dave Gibbons and I were, were talking and we, and he, he said to me, he goes, being a, a comic pro is the best kind of quote celebrity. He says, because in this building, everybody might know who you are because you walk outside and nobody, you know, you're in, it's like you, you can, you know, it's like being an actor when you're first starting out you can, you can people watch, you know, the idea of being Clint Eastwood and going out and, and being able to sort of look at people, um, when you're the person everyone's looking at, you can't do the you can't do the clandestine obser observation, you know. But uh, uh, yeah, it, I I again I um I'm really starting to miss conventions now more than I thought. Oh man! <laughs> oh god! Yeah, you, you, I'm just gonna say it's when you asked me how many I was doing, you know, that yeah, it kind of nearly it brought, nearly brought a tear to the eye. It, yeah. Yeah, it, yeah. Um, something we've talked about on the show before. I mean, we. we try and do kind of like little, we wanted to try and do little workshops to kind of help people get the most out of their convention. One of the things uh, that we try and push more people to is the artist alley and into 
uh, interacting with that artist and actually meeting uh, those people that create uh, the books that they love. But I, when you talk to a lot of uh, attendees, sometimes there is that kind of um, difficulty about how to approach an artist, and it's that real sense of um, that disconnect between uh, an attendee and the, the creative on the other side because you don't know how to approach them. Uh, I mean, what do you do to kind of break the ice uh, with someone who is clearly intimidated by you? Well, you know, it's having been on both sides of that equation, it's like, you know, um, uh, you know, when I was growing up, I really didn't do a whole lot of conventions. But um, when I did, there were, you know, and over the years, there have been people that I that I've met where I've been kind of nervous to, to go up to them, you know, not wanting to bother them or whatever. That's and I, the, I think that's the thing, isn't it? Yeah. And so one of the things that I do now is that I try, I, I really, if I'm at the, a convention, um, I feel like I'm there kind of as a, uh, an ambassador in a way for the medium as well. So, um, you know, people have kids, people have pets, people, it's like, you know, I'm an animal lover. It's like, you know, it's like, you know, it's like, Oh, you, you know, could we take a picture with my dog? It's like, sure, of course, you know, or, or, um, so I mean I try to keep my uh, my interactions at least positive and you know uh, rather than you know dropping the f bomb in front of five year olds you know <laughs> it's uh, uh, and uh, again it, it's it's a way to turn off a lot of the, the the sort of you know stuff and just celebrate being you know with with people but but um, I do feel that when when people come up. It's uh, I'm really glad to see them. And I'm really I'm really glad that, you know, thanks so much for coming. And and, uh, uh, you know, so I'm absolutely overjoyed anytime people show up. And, and I don't like I said, I don't take any of it for granted. And uh, because these are all people who've taken and whether they've they've come to the show in general, but if they've sought me out specifically, I mean, that's, you know, uh, when I was just a kid drawing comics, I, you know, I just wanted to do the media. I never, I wanted to do the stories. I never really thought about all that other stuff, you know? Yeah. So to me, they're just, I'm just meeting other people. And, and I hope that um, when people meet me, it's like, I'm just another, a guy with a, with a, with a weird job, you know? So it's, you know, if, as long as there's mutual respect, I'm good, you know? Fair enough. That makes yeah. sense. Um, we've got a whole bunch of people uh, that are joining us today. Um, uh, I want to hey, get everybody. a number of uh, comments uh, through. Um, we've got ourselves James Fletcher, uh, who's saying, Bill, want to say thank you again uh, to you for your kind message to me when my mother passed away. Um, I think that's something that people really do appreciate, that you are very um, uh, forthcoming, when it, certainly when it comes to Twitter and social media, that you are someone that... Uh, We'll we'll talk and uh, and uh, very much uh, interact. Um, bah, 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 bah. Let's see what else we've got um, here. Ah, we've got a couple of very specific questions as well. Are you okay with that? Yeah, I'm we just totally dive fine. in. Uh, we'll we'll yep. we'll go we'll go in with uh, this one. This is from uh, David Robertson. Uh, Hi, Leonard and Bill. Any plans to write and draw another completely original project like Straight Toasters? Um, well, I mean that's something that was going to jump starting off another question I was going to ask, which was about your time in lockdown and your creativity uh i mean how's it been in that regard is it something that's really kind of weighed on top of you or, or have you actually been freed to be a bit more creative when it comes to original content um well i think uh it's it's been 
a, a mix of both. Uh, I thought at first when it when it started to happen when the lockdown began, I was I started to view it almost like um, because a lot of projects that I was in the middle of, uh, like with the New Mutants film, for example, um, uh, I had just spoken with Josh Boone. Um, about a, a few days before everything got shut down, and I was, and I was also in the process of, of talking to HBO and a couple of other places about beginning work on some projects, and then I was also wrapping up, um, trying to address the move, and also finishing up some projects like the question, you know, working on that with with Dennis and and Jeff Lemire and and um, Chris Sotomayor. Um, so there were a number of ongoing projects. There were a number of new projects that were going to be coming on. Um, and, um, and then everything just sort of stopped. So, uh, so what happens is usually around the, the Christmas holidays, when people start to go away and, tra you know, travel to fam, you know, for family and everything else, um, there's that kind of lull that, that occurs. And I was sort of viewing it almost in that way, like a kind of a, a holiday, uh, you know, mindset. And what by that, I don't mean like celebratory. I mean, everything kind of shuts down a bit. Exactly, you know? I know exactly what and, you mean. And, uh, you know, and, and I can kind of just do my own thing. I don't feel any pressure. And, uh, and the thing is, is that I'm actually feeling more pressure. I've been keeping more, you know, busier than, than I thought I would be. Um, and it certainly has, inspired me to uh to want to re you know kind of revisit uh a lot of the the the, the creator own things that that uh, that I, I sort of dabbled with part of which what happened with straight toasters is that it, when i did it it was you know it was four issues it was fully my my own thing and i realized just how much the writing sort of took out of me and and the, the doing the whole thing it's sort of because uh, i i don't know if I could do a monthly in the way of, of like, say, a superhero book or something like that, sure. um, because I don't know if I'm wired. I, I, I can translate. Even when I do the art, um, sometimes, you know, to the frustration of, of uh, publishers, if I'm working on something, I can't just bat it out just to get yeah. it done. I'll, I'll think that that's what I'm going to do. And then when I start in on it, it's it's whether it's just uh my desire to do the best job i possibly can and even if it's something i might not have really been 100 percent interested in i'll find something interesting about it so that i feel that i always end up learning something and uh and diving into it so there's no real expediting of um of things just to get stuff out of the way well i mean it's, it's very similar to what you were saying earlier about um your interest in the european approach and the European approach of conventions, and it's that's very much like the European approach of comics. Uh, in mm -hmm. that, it is a case of it's not to a, a, a very strict timetable. It's very much a case of the best work you can um, on a slightly bigger uh, right. page as well, and really taking a time over a story and over a concept. And when you really start to get into the the, the nuts and bolts of exploring the different concepts, and instead of just being stuck to a regimented schedule, as it were, I think right. that, that's an interesting. Yeah, there approach. there is that, and and also the other thing I found out is that is that um, uh, I I really have 
enjoyed sort of being able to jump into the line art and then into the writing. I mean, I just finished up, um, when I say just, I mean, it hasn't come out yet. Cause I think it was, there was the anniversary of Marvel's, the Alex Ross series with, with Kirk Busick. And Alex reached out to me to do a, a, some painted pages for, for that and to write something. So I did a 10 page, uh, I, th I posted one page of it, which, uh, which was a, an image of the watcher. So, um, and that really just diving into it and doing, um, uh, it allowing it to kind of grow organically as I was working on it. Um, I really enjoyed it and I fell in love with the medium all over again because having done so many covers or, um, or even, you know, the memorial pieces, which I'll do or posters for, for different or album covers or whatever, um, there's something very unique about comics where I find that um, uh, a lot of the things that I brought, I bring to painting or whatever, don't necessarily apply to the medium of comics because it's all about telling the story. So certain images or certain ways of producing an image, um, it it may not need all the bells and whistles and, and, and degree of finish because that might actually slow the reader down. So yeah. it's like, in a way, learning things and relearning things that I've already learned from before um, and uh, that you just tend to, to forget, and you, you know, you, hopefully you get better, but at the same time, you end up bringing a whole different um, uh, level of maturity. Uh, well, hopefully, you know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, although, I mean, I mean, that, that, that ship may have sailed. I don't know, but, but I will well, say I'm, that, I'm, I'm, I'm hearing that a lot from creators when it comes to lockdown in that, I mean, certainly when the, like when the, the publishers just shut down and right. all, all of a sudden a lot of people were in their own head for a period mm -hmm. of time. And there was that kind of hearing original voices of their own. And that, I mean, the, the, I know I've said the term before and sorry, regular listeners, and I'm going to use it again. COVID babies. Uh, there's yeah, that kind of, yeah. that, that sense of something that's going to come from this period of hearing your own voice in lockdown. Um, That's a great point. That's actually a really good point. Um, I think that, uh, I think as a species, I think we've seen like even from, as, you know, as far back from the say, like the, you know, I mean, the, the, the sixties and, and uh, that sort of spawned like the later issues of, of what came through, but with Denny O'Neill, you know, rest in peace uh, with Neil Adams, a lot of the stuff he did with, with Green Lantern, Green Arrow about, you know, sort of when the, the origins of the sort of, climate change and, and uh, uh, you know, drug, dealing with drugs, et cetera, et cetera, and overpopulation. Um, uh, so that every crisis that comes along, the arts are always a way to deal with it, whether it's musically or otherwise. Um, uh, and certainly for me, because I do like to jump around, one of the things that has hit me is that, um, uh, because it's not a question of, of if, it's a question of when, because I definitely want to do it. And I, I realized that the idea of doing a, you know, straight toast to me was a one-off. It was like, it was not meant to be, uh, you know, an ongoing kind yeah. of a thing. But, um, but I do know that I, I, since I like playing with different styles, I, I even thought about doing sort of an anthology style book or maybe either a quarterly or every, every month and a half or two months except that I could do a two page 
pop song over here or just do a, you know, something very cartoony that's, that's, you know, like something silent. And then another like more involved, serious painterly kind of a story where it might be more of a, a you know, a concert piece as opposed to a two minute little, you know, interstitial over here. So the idea of, um, and I think, you know, I, I feel, I feel fortunate that I, I have enough followers and fans who would follow me, even if I go off the sort of, you know, David Lynch deep end, you know, I guarantee there are people screaming at the screen yeah. right now going, don't yeah. tease. Yeah. Don't no, no, but that's, you know, and, and I do owe, you know, Kelly Sue, a, a yet another apology. Cause it's like, I've not forgotten about, about, um, Parisian white at all. It's like, that's still something that I, that I'd been struggling with because I was trying to figure out how to, to approach it. And, um, and I've dived, I've, I've, you know, I, I, I've dived into it and then I've kind of resurfaced and, and it's like it, every, every attack at it feels like I'm learning something and it's defining itself. And yet the more like what I, when I just did the, the job with, um, uh, uh, for Alex Ross, I also, that was a big turning point for me because I've done so many likenesses over the last bunch of years and a lot of movie poster type stuff that, um, that I kind of took myself in the direction of more representational work. And I, I really enjoy that because I do find that, that uh, I'm learning a lot. But when I was working on the, the Marvel story, um, I realized that there's that also that part of me that I, I enjoy the cartooning aspect of things and the distortions and the mix of realism and um, multimedia and, and uh, you know, an abstraction, you know, kind sure. of like what I did back with Electra Sasson or Daredevil. So that is, I think in, in some respects, I think that this sort of, thing that can happen to artists is that, you know, you start to feel like, well, I'm a painter now and, you know, you nail your hand to the forehead, you know, and it's like, I love being able to be able to do that. But at the same time, it's like, sometimes the best things about comics is that is like, I'll see a lot of stuff online where everything is photo referenced. I mean, and, and yet um, I'm not going to, there's no names I'll mention, but you sure. can always tell when something is, is being posed and they're sort of like, as opposed to sort the, the John Buscema school of, of, you know, you know, everybody's really kind of at the apex of their positions, whereas something that is sort of tepidly photographed and, you know, and someone will be, uh, it's got, it ticks all the buttons in terms of academic accuracy. But in terms of storytelling accuracy, in terms of exaggeration, it's missing all of that. And um, well, I mean, that's that's something that I was watching because I mean, something I want to get into is also your online uh, content as well because I've been really enjoying the the videos that you've been putting up. But Alex Ross put up a video recently, and I was really I was stunned by how much photo reference he does. I mean, that does obviously play into his style in that mm -hmm. photorealistic painting right. style. But I was stunned at how much physical photo reference i mean he was going through almost like a flip book of uh yeah oh sure photo, yeah photo reference yeah and and um uh you know that definitely uh, appeals to his style but i also think it in terms of who he is and what he's done in terms of his painterly work is that you know i think his whole goal has been to make the characters that were 
hand drawn, you know, in line art by Kirby or the, the, the comics that he grew up with is to, you know, to show the fabric in the fold as if these people existed in the real world, you know? Yeah. So, um, uh, you know, whereas, you know, there became a big point of contention when Neil Adams started his new Batman Odyssey and he started to show Batman's, you know, uh, pupils, you know, or his, his, his eyes, you know, whereas like instead of that white slit, you know, that, that were, you know, that were so, so mysterious and yet said so much. So, um, uh, I, I, I'll use photographs and everything else, but I do feel that, um, there is something to be said for becoming a slave to, to the reference. And, um, and to me, I, I'm just bored with seeing. Not, and again, I'm not. I'm never ever bored with seeing what Alex does with it because Alex doesn't sure. play with it. But what I what I want to say, bored with it. I mean about um, where your the idea has to come first. So if someone is is pointing over there, and you've got a, a photograph of someone pointing, and their mouth is sort of semi open, whereas in, where the emotion is really, it should be more theater. You know, it's like it's over, you know, the grand, grand gesture. And um, that's something about comics. So if you and if and if someone is in a position of um, uh, speculation or or introspection or something like that, it's, uh, you know, you can really sort of do the the lip biting or or get something across that that really takes a very mundane sort of blase expression and takes it to the ultimate you know it's like it's sort of hmm you know it you can you can actually play with different levels of um uh you know exaggeration or toning it down and um that well, to I, me I think is that what I, comics I, uh can do well i think that also really plays into uh, the the styles that you represent and the styles that you uh, put to the page as well, because um, I mean right. something that has been referenced already, and we're going to bring some of them up as well. We're going to some uh, examples of the, uh, the the tribute pieces uh, that you've uh, be you post, mm-hmm. which are just absolutely stunning. Um, but also the the fact that you are known um, for, like you say, that really exaggerated um, abstract. Um, style of work, um, certainly on New Mutants, uh, and, uh, on, uh, Daredevil. That, the real sense, the, 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 the breadth of style, um, I think is what a lot of people, um, are drawn to you, uh, for. But it's, it's the, the level of craftsmanship you then apply to those, whatever style that you're going for. I think that's what people, um, uh, uh, appeal to. Uh, I mean, we, we'll talk about them because, they are just sure, no, uh, a stunning, yeah. a stunning um, part and representation of. Uh, I mean, we'll start with the, the latest one, uh, which is uh, of uh, Ian Home, mm-hmm. and I mean these are, are just. I'm not going to lie. Um, when we have the passing of someone um, beloved, um, it is obviously. I mean, there are a, a number of them recently which have bloody hurt. Uh, Ian Holmes, one of them. Uh, Denny O'Neill, certainly one of them. Um, but then I, I can't wait to see how you're going to represent them and how you're going to honour them and um, and really kind of sh- and show a, a facet to their personality in the work that you do. I mean, the the piece you did of Denny is just absolutely stunning. 
Uh, and not what I love about that piece as well is it's a young Denny. It's a it's mm-hmm. it's Denny when he you know all the neurons were firing, everything was going off, and right. uh, the, yeah. there's just so much the, the the potential and what he was. Yeah, it's absolutely incredible. But I mean. Can if you could talk about these and well, I, I mean, know, I, 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 I I I hate to think how you, sometimes you feel when you open up your Google News browser or whatever, and the news that, that someone has passed. I mean, do you some I, do you because you are known for these now? Is it something that you kind of feel a little pressure to do? There have been times I have. Um, there have been other times when, I mean, they started out really just um, as a way for me to, in whatever way I could, do an acknowledgement of someone who passed who may have meant something to me personally. Um, and, uh, you know, and I've done other pieces as well, like birthday pieces or celebratory pieces. Um, hang then, on, my, yeah. my personal favorite. I'm, I've got to do it because it's Betty Bloody White. I'm sorry, right. but it's no, Betty she's, White. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she's just indestructible, you know. But I think that what happens is, is that, um, you know, there will inevitably be somewhere in the thread of responses, um, uh, you know, usually up at the top is I thought, I thought this person passed away. It's like, oh, come wow. on. It's like, you know, and, uh, it's like, yeah, I, I, I can see why you'd think that, but uh, that's not that's not the case. I'd like to do something celebratory here, uh, you know, and um, more as a happy birthday. Uh, but there was also a period when I started to feel a little ghoulish, you know. Yeah. Um, and because um, you know, know when it. I do these pieces, I mean, I'll find reference, or either I'll have my own reference of the person if I've know if I actually know them and I have photos of them, but um, but also. Uh, what struck me was after I started doing a number of them, uh, the responses from people started to really kind of shift my, my my perspective a bit, because what was happening was is that um, my goal. I mean, even though I started doing drawings and likenesses when I was a kid, my my father and and my uncles were all big. Rat Pack guys. I mean, they all love Sinatra and and you know Peter Lawford and Dina Dean Martin. So I would do the drawings of these guys for for them, you know, because they it's like they you know maybe I'd get a sip of beer out of it, you know, or something as a kid, you know. And then I also did portraits at the um, at local fairs um, with the Heart Fund, and then I would I would do them for I was in high school. I would do them for like seven bucks. And I got to, and again, being, it's like very similar for, for convention training because I was used to having people around me critiquing my work, you know, when I was 14. And, and I remember there was one case where I drew um, this girl, uh, she had braces on and, uh, and I finished the drawing and she burst into tears. She was really upset because because the braces had sort of put, and I was, you know, my own abilities were sort of sort of marginal at best. I mean, um, but uh, I, I, because the braces sort of pushed her mouth out, so she kind of had that sort of puffiness right in here. Oh, and I said, I tell you, and she started to cry, and she just was like, she she was going to pay for the drawing, but 
the fact that she had gotten so upset really disturbed me. So I said, I tell you what, I'm going to let me draw you smiling without the braces, like what you're going to look like when you get them off. It was my sort of like trying to think on my feet and I ended up doing, you know, because at that time I was also into Neil Adams and he was doing a lot of like some advertising. So I gave for like the most, you know, uh, perfect commercial, you know, white tooth smile, you know, and advertising and her whole demeanor, she stopped crying. She hugged me. And I realized one that when you do a likeness of someone, you have to try to capture what, how they see themselves as opposed to doing a caricature, which is to take all of their, the sort of less than, than photogenic, you know, uh, parts of their appearance and sort of emphasize those, whereas you want to diminish the ones when you're doing a portrait that are negative. And, um, and also I realized that what art can do in terms of impacting people, you know, that drawings, it's like when you're doing that, that, that there's a, an inherent weight to that. So, you know, over the years doing these pieces, I try to find something about the person that, um, mean that is like indicative of them in a certain way like uh, for some reason like i did brian dennehy i mean he's just sort of this big bearish guy and i I sort of dropped him into like shadows and made him imposing and um whereas like the one i did of fred willard which was just sort of almost like you know this very sort of jovial simple almost like he's holding a, a balloon with his head on it you know um and I realized that people were responding to those, you know. We'll, we'll, so, we'll come back to that one. We'll yeah. come back to the picture I just put up. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I do yeah. feel, uh, I, like, when I'm using the photo reference, you know, I'm not, I'm not recreating the wheel or pushing out into any new territory because, like, you know, a lot of them are really, I'm not doing anything new design-wise or trying to, uh, they're really pretty much exercises in media, but also with the intent of trying to capture who the person is. So the one of, of Denny, um, you know, that sort of simple black and white image of him just sort of being, um, yeah, like with Brian Dennehy here, I, I just, yeah. I, I wanted to kind of go in a direction that felt um, like there's a massiveness there that, you know, that, that sort of came across with, when I think of him. So uh, whereas like the Betty White, with the birthday piece, I mean, like there's, it's light, airy, there's colors, you know, and um, the likeness aspect is almost the least of it, you know, getting that and, 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 and nailing it. Um, it's, it's the psychological aspect of the person that I'm trying to capture. And that, um, so having done those and done these pieces, the idea of, of, taking the, the, that the ability that I've, I've learned and things that I've learned by doing these and translating that into um, using the, the photography and then to go back and, you know, to what I, I, I tried doing before uh, is, is, is pretty exciting. Because I do find that when I was doing a lot of very serious work, my sketchbooks would get very frivolous and light and cartoony. And when I was working on something that was very cartoony, um, my sketchbooks would get very sort of dark, uh-huh. you know. That's so it, it, in a way, it was kind of like a keep, uh, achieving a level of equilibrium. And um, uh, so to me, any of the things are any medium, any tool you use is, is really to kind of get the, 
the uh, idea across of what you're trying to um, convey. And uh, and for me, doing these portraits is a way of feeling connected. And there's a number of them of them that I that I have on uh, on the drawing board um, <clears throat> that I've not been able to complete yet. Um, right. Certainly, like the Black Lives Matter, uh, you know, with the with the almost daily uh, police shootings. You know, there's a social aspect to all of it as well. But at the same time, there's also, um, like I, I have one I started of uh, um, Little Richard, which I've you know yet to, to complete. And some of the people who pass away, uh, I may not have known who they are. You know, um, Agnes Varda, the director, passed away last year sometime. And I actually, um, I realized that I said, this is, this is somebody I should have known or I should know about. So what happens is almost posthumously, I start to investigate who they were and their impact. And I'm going like on rare occasion, you know, I'll go, I, I really wish I had discovered this person while they were still around. So it's, like, it's it, almost like you're unher unearthing their personality through investigation. Yeah. I think that's, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, we're going to, I am going to try and get it some more comments in. Oh, no, please. Guy, oh, absolutely. Guys, I know I'm monopolizing Bill, but tough. I, it's my it's my podcast. I don't care. <laughs> um, so, uh, but we have got a couple of comments. Um, and I certainly want to get into some other stuff that you've done recently, but I also want to have a, I want to go all over the place. No, but that's bear, a, bear this is, I, sir, I'm certainly doing that. So please <laughs> join, join, join me out here in the, in the water. <laughs> um, so we got, um, let's have a look. Uh, Daniel Betts, can you please pass on to Bill my great thanks for his daredevil and Electra work? Always brings a smile to my face. I mean, we've got uh, a piece which uh, I can uh, bring up now. Uh, I'm going to also mention about the the reason why I brought up that Brian Dennehy piece as well. Um, I mean, if we just uh, bring Daniel's comment off, I mean, yeah, it's just it's iconic stuff. So thank you very much indeed for your comment, uh, oh, Daniel. Yeah, I think that one was for a. Um, I think that was for the Jim Lee auction yeah it was that well that's that's where i'm gonna go uh, next in a second um andrew dickinson is uh, saying i read your wiki page and found that you had descended from the author of quo Vardis. any temptation to do that as a graphic novel or sword and fire uh, he's got a thing for a polish winged hussars by all yeah. accounts I've, I've thought <laughs> about that um i mean uh i i wondered if, there, if i would either do an adaptation of of, of um you know of some of his work or even to sort of, um, you know, play around with sort of the, the lineage, the history of, uh, you know, come out with, with something called like, you know, status quo Vadis, you know, or some, something, something there where I could play with the, the linkage. Uh, Cause the idea of actually having, you know, I mean, he may have, you know, Henrik may have won a Pulitzer, you know, uh, you know, or a Nobel. I'm sorry, but um, uh, but I don't think he has an Eisner. So it's like, <laughs> so it's like, okay, you know, it's even as far as I'm concerned. But uh, fair enough, yeah. fair enough. Um, you've got a couple of um, friends dropping by as well. Uh, Clydeine Nee from um, San Diego oh, Comic Con, saying hi. hi Hi, say hi. Uh, and you've also got Matt Dunford as well dropping by, saying howdy, Bill. Hey, Matt. Uh, Considering that, uh, and we, it's the, the running joke here on this particular show, that the uh, San Diego Comic Fest is the biggest uh, convention uh, that San Diego has hosted uh, this year. Uh, so really uh, congratulations on that one, Matt. Well, well Matt, Matt had, I mean, when uh, I met, uh, uh, you know, uh, so many people at the, at the Comics Fest 
it was the last convention I was at. Um, and it was right. Everybody at the show had heard about COVID. So the running joke was, yeah. And I think I learned six new ways of, of, of greeting someone without touching them, you know, or without like handshakes. It's like, I think, you know, there, of course there's the Spock, you know, uh, or there's the, you know, the, this version of the hokey pokey where you just sort of t- like kick each, the insoles of, of each person's foot. It was, you know, I'm surprised there wasn't some kind of dance associated with it as well, you know. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, just like, like, the, 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 the elbow touch. Um, that's, yeah, that's, yep, that's, right. Or the a, fist bump, you know. <laughs> but uh, for people who don't know about the the Comic Fest, it's a really wonderful show. I mean, it's it's sort of, uh, you know, and I'm not saying it just because Matt was was just on here, but but uh, it's uh, it's like San Diego. All of the the pluses of San Diego with none of the negatives, you know. I, I've uh, also been told it's San Diego Comic Con. In a time warp, it's very much how that nucleus and yes, how it started. that's very true. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because I mean, you said what well, the first year you went was what twenty. Mine was twenty. To, uh, my twenty ten. I'm. I know. I'm a. Re- I'm a relelative noob on this one. I. Right. I get it. Oh well. I, totally I mean, it. I was going for years, and like for me, I remember when it was two. When one when it was at the El Cortez. Right. It, yeah. Someone else has someone else has mentioned that, and I might yeah. as well tell you now because um, before you start with your story, yeah. I've stayed at the El Cortez right. um, because it's now um, a bunch of very nice apartments. Mm-hmm. Um, I have yeah. been told by several people it certainly doesn't look like it did when <laughs> the convention was there. Um, but even I, I mean, I've heard the stories, and they've got lots of bits and pieces in the the, the lobby as well. Um, mementos of its right. visit at San Diego there, um, and you go to the, the ballroom and you can literally throw a, a ball and it'll just bounce off the room and come back to you in like mm-hmm. seconds. It's so small and intimate. And you hear the stories of Jack Kirby disappearing from his table going yeah, off it, and yeah. So, I mean, I, 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 I'm ready for this story. Yeah, Away you go. Away you go. Amazing. Well, no, I mean, it's like, just, I remember the first time that I was in the pool and I mean, you could fit the entire professional contingent and all the fans in one building. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, from, uh, Harlan Ellison, you know, like meeting him and, and, uh, Ray Bradbury to, uh, you know, to, to uh, like the, the sort of very sort of upsetting bits. I remember the very first time I'd ever seen Wally Wood, um, was at that, uh, in, in that building and, uh, and in a weird way, it was almost like a, a – because at the time, I was also a pretty heavy drinker myself. Right. But I, I saw these three men coming toward me, and um, two on the outside were holding the guy in the middle, sort of like – he was almost like a limp scarecrow. And and as they're, they're walking past the, the, the guy in the middle, his feet were just dragging on the ground. And, um, and that, was, that was Wally. You know, because oh, I guess Wally, uh, you know, had a certainly had a, a like a, a a fascinating life. But uh, you know, the humanity that we all have in terms of sometimes we're you know going down our darker paths. But um, but that has always stayed with me. You know, so you meet people you know under some of the best conditions and circumstances. Then you meet in smaller settings. Sometimes the you know the uh, they leave a more lasting impact. Uh, 
and even at some of the later convention centers, there was one where it was it was um, uh, it was almost like a uh, a kind of yard sale is what it felt oh, wow. like, like a mix of tailgating parties and yard sale where people were sort of having like, you know, all the boxes out. And, um, and I remember sitting with, um, uh, Oh God, who wrote kick the can, uh, Clive, uh, the right, the writer, um, the, the, the Twilight Zone story. Yeah. Yeah. He, he was there with his wife and, and daughter and Matheson? we were sitting like near uh, each other. And I'm blank. I'm blanking on his name right now, which is not, uh, Thing is, uh, I think I'm going for the writer who did the the film version, and it's not yeah. him. Um, but, um, yeah, but no, it was just literally like sitting next to people and just sort of hanging out. Um, there wasn't this functional kind of of corporatization to any of it. Um, gotcha. At the time, you know, you could you could be standing by the exit doors, which was really sort of like something you'd see in a regular gymnasium, you know, with the with the the, the bar that you push. And somebody yeah. would bop outside for a cigarette and then they'd pound on the door and you just open it and they'd come back in. You know, you, you can't do that at the convention now if you can even smoke. I mean, you know, so um, through the years and the iterations, it's become this monstrosity where I literally think they're holding, you know, the convention, if anything, I, I, I wonder if they're, um, you know, because they keep trying to add on to the convention center. Sure. And I'm wondering if they if how many zip codes are going to go through or area codes. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's, it's a, uh, uh, there have been a couple of years where I, I thought I almost, okay. I, I, I almost don't want to go. It's like, I've been there. It's like, I could use a break, you know, yeah. from it. But now, not certainly not now. Now I'd actually dive at it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I yeah. can imagine. Yeah, I mean, like when we've had um, a couple of uh, guests on, and they uh, they or when they talk about, can we have some way of scaling back San Diego Comic Con? Can we have it back to some of those golden days of having them at the old, uh, El Cortez? And I'm going, okay, I stayed there a couple of years on the trot. Um, my leg calf muscles. Um, cause it's right at the top of that hill. Um, mm -hmm. yes. Uh, you, yeah. Um, you'd, you'd think twice about yeah. <laughs> making yeah. that scale. So making that, that trek up that. Well, hill. of course, when, when, even when you were going for the very first time, the first times that I went there back when I think it was like myself, Mignola, Adam, uh, Arthur Adams and, uh, a bunch of people. I mean, we would go out at, in the evenings and go, you know, to any local food shop that was out there. But that whole area was primarily just like naval stuff. It was, it was, yeah. there was a Greyhound depot there. It was a dodgy, dodgy area to get <laughs> to go into. And they've gotten rid of all of that. The gas lamp district, um, you know, that's been created relatively, you know, in a relatively short time in terms of what it's become. But, yeah. uh, you know, when you said you were going, to, when you when you talked about going to San Diego in the past and many all those years ago, it was uh, uh, it was a little bit like you know a fifty fifty chance, you know <laughs> whether you were actually going to make it to the show or make it you know you know make it into a, a stall somewhere with a knife in your throat, you know. It certainly wasn't the um, glittering city by the bay uh, that no, it, it marks it. Not, absolutely not. So yeah. for all those who people who say, can we scale it back? It's like, you know, it depends on, you know, if, if you have to scale it back, it's like, well, fine, but you have to scale it back 
knowing full well that you can't just scale back the bad stuff. You know, it's like if you're going to scale it back, just take the good with the bad. It's like, Absolutely. you know, but it's Absolutely. not going to happen. Obviously, <laughs> it's, you know, no, certainly not under the, under the current way things are going, you know. Sure, it, sure. Yeah. Mark so. Gage is saying, I remember you when you were the hotshot superstar back in 1982. You were a rock star. Uh, and he has seen you a few times since. So uh, you have some uh, uh, um, long-term fans uh, in the room. Uh, yeah, I, had the the room I had the mullet to prove it, you know. So. <laughs> into the Blue Mister, three times I've been to San Diego Comic-Con. Three times I've made the 5,000-mile pilgrimage just to get a book signed. And three times I've missed him. I'm starting to think he's hiding under his table. Um no. Well, if I, I'm not hiding, I'm <laughs> probably sleeping because I, you know, uh, but I, that's, that's really, that's unfortunate. Now it's like, I have to meet you. It's like, we're going to figure once all of this stuff goes, it's like, you know, you write, tell him, you know, that whoever I, I, it was into the, into the blue mystery. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, we'll, we'll figure it out because you know, unless we can either do one of two things, we can stop this nip in the bud right now <laughs> and we meet or we keep it going. It's like, like now there is no, there's no, you know, yeah, Fifth, I mean, uh, charm, you know. Yeah, I mean, the person I queued up three times and missed out on every single time. Uh, unfortunately, I'm not going to meet now, and that's Stanley. Uh, unfortunately, ah. um, but the one person that I absolutely was determined to camp out for, um, I ended up um, camping outside of the Hard Rock Hotel for five hours as the sun arced over and absolutely sunburnt me into the ground. So, um. Oh, I met um, one of my favorite artists looking like a lobster. Uh, so yeah, that was that was oh. slightly embarrassing, but there we go. Um, that well, was true. San Diego does have does have a, a you know a copious amount of, of sunlight. That is, I mean, I, on my Facebook page, uh, Carl Potts, who was one of the editors that I worked with at Marvel, and and uh, the the late great Mark Grunewald. I mean, we just posted some images of of uh, the three of us jet skiing in san diego back when we were when you go on marvel's dime no less i mean they paid for the jet skis they paid for the cars i mean i remember i was dressed as spider-man because i was a freelancer and shooter asked if i would they would pay all of my expenses if i would dress up as spider-man for the the uh the entertainment we were doing or the the video we were shooting at uh at the san diego zoo where they had just opened up their penguin exhibit and all the marvel editors were all dressed up in tuxedos so to sort of echo that and i was okay, basically i've got to see those photos yeah i've got to see so, those yeah i a shooter a shooter has made several like online comments about the whole thing it was it was really uh quite an experience so um yeah so that yeah. that was uh so that if, <laughs> if he saw me under the table sleep you know hiding it's like no i probably was like trying to uh you know like put apply muscle bomb, you know, to to get rid of the aches and pains of jumping around on on ev everything from walls to, uh, you know, to to uh, different park benches at San Diego, you know. So the things you have to do as a comic artist. Good yeah, grief! Exactly. Oh, yeah. Everybody Absolutely. thinks it's just nothing, but but uh, you know, uh, sitting behind a desk drinking, you know, one foot in hot water, one foot in cold water, so you don't fall asleep. <laughs> and and a, a mix of coffee and, and 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 alcohol, you know, and and an ashtray full of cigarettes, you know, that Fair was enough. that that's sort of the default, 
Is that I'm, what it is? I'm, I'm referencing it back about 30 years. So yeah, I thought yeah. I, was, I suspected as much. Yeah, right. <laughs> Tina Gan, uh, Bill, still hoping that you'll get invited to Singapore uh, Comic Con. Uh, yeah, I think uh, there's. Lo I mean, we've got a couple of convention organizers uh, that would love to uh, have you at their uh, show. Uh, we've got oh, Mark. Yeah. Yes. Um, I would love to do Bill that. Yeah. yeah, Bill is more than welcome at MacPow next year, but would need a whip round to cover his plane ride. When you're talking small conventions, this is in a small uh, town called Macclesfield in the north of England. You would be um, very welcome uh, at that particular show. Uh, safe to say. Now, how far? How, say. how far uh, below Scotland? The Scotland line is it? Is it um, a good couple? A couple hundred miles. Okay. It's it, it's in the middle of the country. And okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> there we go. Well, I remember um, when I did, I was, when I was with uh, my good friend, Mike Lake and I, we were, uh, I had been touring from Edinburgh to Glasgow, Manchester, Leeds, all the way down through to London and uh, for Electra Assassin. And I remember when I, I, at, at that point, I, I think I was already divorced. I was actually in, in uh, Scotland. And I was completely clean of every like vice. By the time I got down to London, I had taken up every vice I'd give, gotten rid of. It's like you know, uh, it was uh, still one of my favorite you know, signing signing trips of ever. You know, but luckily that's like there. It was in the days prior to everybody having a camera phone, so I'm pretty much sure I'm safe. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you've got so. I mean, Nick, pa Nick, Nick Marshall. Is there any chance of you coming over to the UK? I mean, I, th I think that kind of will uh, um, kind of feeds back to those questions we asked right at the top of the, the show, which was about what we could expect the new normal could to be for conventions. What would it take to get you on a plane at the moment? And at the moment, yeah. Um, I'm having conversation with a couple of people about that. Well, one, it, it's it's. Uh, you know, my biggest priority right now is to move into into the and and even once I get in there, I'm not going to just drop everything and go on a on a plane. It's sure. like I I need I need to kind of like settle in and get you know get things sort of settled. So I probably couldn't see even getting anywhere until like toward the end of the year. You know, I think uh, I need to sort of settle in. So, um, so you, so you feel you'd be comfortable at that short period of time. I mean, well, I, I, I mean, I, I can't see flying anywhere, even though they've opened up the airspace somewhat to some extent, you know, yeah. they're saying that, that, uh, you can start flying probably in August or something. I, I don't foresee that happening. I I'm going to wait until, uh, you know, uh, until it's, it's, it's considerably safer. You know, the uh, well, the, I mean, the general consensus is when we have our, I mean, our audience is usually saying the word vac vaccine. The moment a vaccine is found, right. then maybe some people could be a little bit sure. More yeah, I mean, but, I mean, exactly. But I don't know what what kind of speculation there is in terms of a time frame for that. Yeah, no idea. No you idea. Know? I mean, we've got uh, uh, into the blue, Mister. Again, um, I think, yeah, we would love to have you at Thought Bubble. We'd love to have oh, you back. I would love, love to. I would yeah. love to. That again is not a question of if. Of if. But it's absolutely just a, merely a question of when. So, and I'm, you know, so everybody, it's like take care of yourselves. I'll do the same, and we'll we'll see each other there. So, 
Fair enough. Um, thing, what I want to talk about um, is, like, I mean, we've talked about the uh, the um, tribute posts that you've been putting up, mm -hmm. uh, but I definitely want to bring this up because this has been one of the most worthwhile things that we've seen uh, as part of the pandemic, the, the sense of community uh, coming together, um, not only for, like I say, Black Lives Matter, but also for the comics community and retailers. This is the piece we, we've got on screen at the moment, which you did. Right, uh, the, uh, for, for Jim Lee, yeah. which, right. I mean, if we just uh, go a little bit further in on that. I mean, this was, an it is still an ongoing uh, effort by Jim to raise yeah. this money, which is and just he's really, phenomenal. He's just amazing, really. He's knocked it out of the park. I mean, not right. only has, has he been just like crushing it financially in terms of, of bringing the money in for people, but, uh, you know, people are getting some absolutely exquisite pieces as well. It's, it's when he turned around in the first week or so and he said, I, these are sketches. These are pieces I'm going to do two or three hours a day, maybe even half an hour, just something I can put to the uh, to put out into the world. And then it got to about literally two weeks in and they're like masterworks and he's spending five, six hours on them a day. And I'm going, okay, that's, that's, that's your day, sir. Congratulations. Yeah. You've, you've just set yourself a bar so high. You, right. Yes. How on earth? It, it really is. Well, that's often the, how the, how those kinds of things start, you know, when you want to do something, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, even when I mentioned, like when you mentioned about the memorial pieces, when I first started them, I mean, they were like simple black and white drawings. And, and the, the, since there's no real pressure, you know, I'm quote, just doing sketches as Jim said. And then yeah. you start to, you start to find your, yourself kind of going deeper and deeper and spending more and more time on quote, a sketch. And, uh, but if you had said from the outgo, I'm going to do you know, these five hour masterpieces or whatever, it's like, uh, you, you'd probably just go, I, I think I'm, I'm not even going to go anywhere near this. It's, <laughs> it's a funny way how we sort of trip ourselves into, uh, you know, letting some pressure off and then we end up just descending further. So, I mean, any, even, even his sketches are phenomenal. And I, and yeah. I, when, when he, he approached me, um, and, uh, he and Dave Mandel, uh, uh, approached me about contributing a piece. I mean, that's one of the things that I, I, I wish I had more time to do is uh, uh, I think I did two pieces for, for Jim, uh, the electorate. And I think there were, I think there were, there's two more on my board that, uh, you know, that are probably oh, wow. going to be used for some other, other. Uh, well, I mean, that was charity. what I was going to ask about because I mean, it was, and it is, like I say, a, still an amazing um, fundraising effort for the retailers. Um, but something that we brought up uh, on a, when the pandemic uh, kicked in and we took this show twice a week to become kind of like a community corkboard, as it were, uh, right. for the, uh, for the, the con convention community. When everyone was kind of marshalling behind the retailers, I was wondering when we were going to start seeing a second effort for the actual creatives because there is still no union. There's still no support system for a lot of creators can you see perhaps um, a very similar effort happening for those artists that have really struggled uh, throughout uh, lockdown i would like to see that i mean it's a shame that i feel that the situation is here and again i'm only speaking of the united states it's sad that that um you know specifically as it relates to comics that there is no retirement there is no gold watch 
you know. Um, it's almost I mean, work till you drop. That's well, is- that's that, that's it, and and unfortunately, because of the way the corporate structure things are structured on a corporate level, it's like, and, and there's I'm not maligning it at all or bad mouthing. It, it is what it is, um, but uh, there's a little bit like. And I've seen this with um, uh, with certainly you know some of my idols, my heroes like Jim Aparo or even even John Buscema, Nick Cardi, you know uh, Carmine, yeah. you know people that I revered growing up um, uh, that I've had the 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 pleasure of of working with and working over on terms of the the inking part. But um, part of the the corporate structure is that they pay it enough to keep you on that treadmill, you know, where you're kind of the hamster on the wheel and, um, and God forbid anything happens to anybody and they get, you know, they get a little bit behind. I mean, there are outlets like hero initiative, which is, which is great for helping struggling creators. But the, the downside of all of that is that we're actually in a position where we need to actually do a GoFundMe or do some kind of charity to actually help these people who have given so much of their lifeblood. Um, sure. Uh, you know, I remember uh, I became very close with Nick, with the great Nick Cardi, um, uh, just an absolutely sweet, sweet guy, uh, you know, man. And, and he, uh, uh, his style had sort of just fallen out of favor with the executives. And, and I was, I was like, look, you've got to, I, I would kill to ink him on a series, you know? Um, so whether or not those, that, that, that actually happens for, um, you know, for other, for the creators, uh, the point is, is that I think as a, as a business, certainly the shops are, um, you know they've done so much for, for what, you know, yeah. allows comics access to to so many people. But um, uh, we could almost have you know a multi pronged approach. I mean, sure. the creators themselves. Uh, I just spoke to a, a friend of mine, a, a creator. Um, who just had some some serious surgery, you know, and it's it's sort of like the recovery process is in place, <clears throat> and um, you know the insurance aspect of things. It's 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 to me it it, it speaks not just of of the situation under COVID, but it speaks to a, a much larger kind of issue. True. You know, well, I mean, we've been a big supporter here of uh, the fundraising efforts for uh, Tess Fowler. Um, who's mm-hmm. an incredible artist. She's going through um, treatment for cancer at the moment, and she's had to wow. have um, a GoFundMe just to to kind of mm. to get through the, the situation. It's it's yeah. it's. A, I mean, then again, I think that this is also not just talking comics. This is a, a broader conversation. I th- well, absolutely, I think, but right. I, and I, I do, I certainly do wish Tess uh, the best. I mean, um, you know, the the. The benefit sometimes of social media is that it keeps people informed about like some of the most wonderful things, some of the darkest things and and certainly there's more mundane idiocy out there you know um and I didn't know about about tests until you, you mentioned it right now and uh so I mean you know uh, I think also the the fact that you kind of you you learn where your friends are yeah and that they, they, these that the people will come 
when called. Um, when right. a clarion call, go, call goes out, I think. Well, that's, I mean, that's good because, I mean, I, I, I think she's so incredibly talented. So yeah. um, uh, is there, is, it, when we're done here, I can get some info on the, uh, the GoFundMe or, sure. or something for her. Yeah. Sure. I mean, personally, I think also the, the things that you've put out um, into um, uh, social media uh, has helped and benefited so many people, uh, especially when it comes to um, uh, alleviating a lot of stresses and pressures, uh, considering that we have had the likes of this uh, oh. going up online. Yeah. Uh, yes. If you can, please talk about this briefly before we move on. Um, uh, girl, well, this is what happened? Uh, I'll be damned if I know. It's like, you know, on advice of my attorney, um, I think it was a throwback Thursday photo. I, I think I, I just literally, um, it was a little bit of a shot across the bow of my buddy, uh, Dan Panosian, you know, uh, yeah. you know, Mr. James Bond himself. Um, and, uh, it, you know, it, it was, uh, like, because most of the people that I know in comics, especially a lot of the, the, well, we all tend to sort of give each other, you know, the what fur, you know, we can bust each other's chops. So there, there is a great fraternal and, and uh, you know, uh, and otherwise kind of friendship that, that develops. We're all in this as a family. But I, when I posted that image, I was looking through uh, different images and I thought, I have reference photos of, of say Dennis Cowan and I posing for Jimi Hendrix, you know, like that's a throwback image. And for some reason I just, I, I found, I, I was scrolling through and I found that image, which I posed for myself as myself, uh, but as the character, uh, the black widow is for a cover. And um, so like taking a page from the Robert uh, Fawcett school, where he posed for every everybody, regardless of age or gender, you know. So when I posted that, you know, I I think I I don't know if alcohol was involved. Probably not. I think it was probably just just poor judgment on its own. But I, when I posted it, I think it was uh, um, the first person to dive into it and said, "We got to run with this." Was um, uh, uh, Michael Oming? Mike Oming. All right. Did, okay. Yeah, and then and then uh, Darley Brewster came in, and then a number of other people. Uh, Darley did two amazing pieces, and then it was kind of off to the races. And I think we're close to three hundred or something like that now, if yeah. not more. I mean, I, when I say that we could see um, a second effort for a fundraising effort, yeah, those sketches alone as a as a well, sketchbook, that's something that is definitely that there. Uh, we're also we are in discussions right now with people about you know doing a publishing for, venture for that and actually having nice. a you know uh a, a, you know a, a portion a good portion of that go to uh, uh helping. So cool. it's you know, pardon my you know my my uh, you know the fact that my butt has been out there for for you know <laughs> for ridicule and for you know it's like I I. I feel like if people are going to take the time to do something, it's like I need to be up my uh, like my my tolerance for uh, you know I could take I could take the, the the piss out of myself better than anybody. So well, I mean, like, it's, it's nice to see that there are so many so many sketches of your backside online yeah. right now. And some of them are really <laughs> absolutely brilliant, and just where people have gone with from you know with it, it's just uh, yes. some of them have been really absolutely surreal.
It's just phenomenal. Cool. So I, yeah. I, uh, I, I enjoy it. It's really, it's not what I, anything what I'd expected. It sort of assumed I was, I felt like I just became like another observer. Yeah. You know? Um, I've got a bunch of questions, but uh, we, sure, I, yeah. I, I'm, I want to try and get there's so much. No, no, let's, let's, let's go because I know that I'm, I'm probably giving like longer, like more convoluted no. answers. So, by well, know, we have no problem with that. We're not, well, I mean, okay, this kind of reflects to that. Then, this is more about your artwork, obviously. Uh, Andrew Dixon asking, uh, do you have problems uh, stopping, or can or when you have that moment to sit back and say, I'm done. Uh, Into the Blue Mister kind of follows up with that, saying, it's a great question. I've often watched videos of Bill sketching and think, okay, he's done. And then five minutes later, okay, now he's done. And then half an hour later, okay, Bill, seriously, stop now. Um, it, what is that, um, that moment when you just go, okay, I can just step and that's done? Uh, that's it's gotten a little bit better over the years, but there have been, there's that running joke, that classic joke of, um, uh, well, there's two of them. First is what the first 10 minutes you're working on anything, you're creating art, the rest of the time, you're just trying to save it. Um, and then the other is, uh, the way, you know, when a piece is done is to have somebody stand behind you with a, with a hammer, you know, and I've gotten better over the years. Uh, Certainly with the advent of digital where you can do a command Z and just or an undo and kind of yeah. save it. Um, I've, I've ruined more pieces or have gone one step too far and go, I should have stopped. And so th the trick is, is to walk right up to that line because the last thing you want to do is stop when it's safe, you know, as opposed to when it's, it's like one bit more and it'll, 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 it'll be the, uh, uh, the camel's back, you know, yeah. that, that gets broken, but that's, uh, that's just trusting your gut at a certain point. And other times it really comes down to setting a piece aside and jumping on something else that needs to be dressed. And then looking back at the piece and going, Oh, I had all these plans to run with. And it's like, no, that, that, that's, that's done. I think it doesn't being mean a, anything else. Being re regiment, almost not regimented with your time, but having that time management, uh, in place, I think. Yeah, well, the, the, that's a that's a very kind way of of uh, saying, you know, <laughs> like having a lot of a lot of plates that are spinning. It's uh, yeah, you know, uh, because I do also do find that that if I'm working on, you know, if I'm inking Dennis Cowan and I've got a, a movie poster to do or a portrait to do, um, it's different gears. So, and yet they're all sort of related to a similar kind of approach, but. Um, uh, you know, cause drawing all day or all night can be fun, but working on the same, the same style or the same project, if I go and I walk away and I'm, and I'm all of a sudden I'm airbrushing or I'm painting, it's, it's a, it's a, even though I'm still drawing, I'm actually looking at the new piece with a whole different set of eyes, right. um, you know, so I can come back to it. Uh, but yeah, I, I, uh. I wish I did have that mechanism down where, you know, and there have been pieces that I've done where I go, I'm giving myself this much time. And like, yeah. and I set the timer and it's like, regardless to where it is, it's like, ding. Okay. You know, and I'll still occasionally, like, you know, it's, it's the old George, it's the George Lucas quote films yeah. aren't um, completed. They're um, released. Yeah. Uh, exactly. they're, 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 yeah. 
Um, yeah, they're ab- or they're abandoned in like at, at an interesting place, so, so to speak. You know, hopefully. Yeah. 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 Um, it's been a pleasure to have uh, big numbers uh, coming up on a number of recent episodes of this podcast, uh, including Paul Jun- uh, Jenkins uh, rocking out that cover piece, ripping oh, it off his God. wall, uh, which I, I think I sent you the picture of it, and it was just yeah, I, uh, I it, love it was to great. see that original again because that was yeah. one of my favorite ones I did. I was that was it was. Uh, my, um, uh, you know, sort of playing with with real three D multimedia type stuff. It was it was one of my favorite pieces, and I had I didn't realize that Paul had it. You know, yeah. but I I, I, I could have uh, probably could have just asked if he had any idea. <laughs> you know, was, was ask, and it I also mean, went for a good. Uh, go on. No, no, I'm done. I'm uh, well, I mean, I was going to ask: Do you know what happened to uh, the pieces? I mean, were they donated to families? Are they were a number of them still in your collection? I mean, because I know I've seen Jimmy Palmiotti's rocked up a couple of originals as well. Right. Yeah, I think um, when I when that whole uh, when big numbers sort of went sideways, I think that um, uh, there were some pieces. I think that that. Uh, we're all, I think everything on big numbers, uh, was purchased by Kevin Eastman. Right. Um, so, and I think Paul, since Paul man's worked collection. With, yeah. Yeah. What's that? That man's collection. Yeah. Oh, he, oh, some of the pieces <laughs> he had, you know, and then uh, I think uh, what happened was he, he, I think he ended up, um, letting go of a lot of pieces and, um, you know, auctioning some off and sell, just selling some outright. And I think um, Paul ended up with a few, and I think that other ones that became uh, available um, online. I think, you know, like Jimmy and others, you know, probably found them through either heritage or through personal, you know, uh, people who had them in their collection. So um, I think the one piece that I think I kept that I had was the, the one that was made into the t-shirt. It was, it was yeah. a, a done as a poster. And that one I gave as the wedding gift to, uh, to the woman who was the model for the main character. Nice. Um, so, yeah. So I think it's on, you know, if she's still married, her husband was in the military. So she was going to be posing. I went to her wedding, gave her the gift. And then I said, look, when you get back from your honeymoon, we need to start shooting photos for the next issue. And she said, I- "I'm I'm leaving. I'm I'm moving to Germany, okay. you know, which uh, which was a little. I felt a little betrayed. It was like, <laughs> look, getting married is okay, but leaving me to go like you know live in Germany. It's like uh, you know, but we you know we, you you're mom, you're the main character. You know, you can't trust models, man. You can't you, trust you models. You can't absolutely not. I mean, what in, with big numbers? What is your ultimate take on that project looking back now i mean do you look back on it with satisfaction on what you actually achieved or is it just pure frustration about how it's it a, ended? it's a it's a multitude of of uh feelings i mean technically i feel like i i'd set up a very high bar in terms of what i wanted to accomplish and this is again this is all pre-digital yeah. so um you know there was no blur blur tool in photoshop you know at the time it was like so if i wanted something to be out of focus i wanted to do something as completely realistic and then it was gradually going to become a full color you know series as it went on um and uh so i i'm very proud of the work that i did um and also really sort of it's i don't really have a lot of regrets in this in this you know 
world. I mean, or in certainly in my career, but that's certainly up there, you know, yeah. in terms of, of wishing it had, it had not gone the way it, that it did at the same time. And I've said this at other, other outlets that I do feel that what, ha- what, what big numbers became because it was about chaos and about, you know, the butterfly effect in a weird way. And on a meta level, the fact that big numbers fell apart through chaos and life, it, it's a, uh, it, I've used this analogy before. It's sort of um, like uh, the Terry Gilliam film, Lost in La Mancha, where he's yeah. all the efforts he made trying to get, Don Quixote on the screen and that it's like every, it was like talking about tilting at windmills, you know, <laughs> that he was going through. I felt that big numbers, that the fact that big numbers wasn't completed for the fact that it was those three issues or four issues that I did um, three issues. And then I think uh, it was going to be taken over and then it all sort of went, went by the wayside and most everything ended up in Jerusalem in the Alan yeah. Moore series, but yeah. um, story, but <clears throat> Uh, the fact that it, it sort of, because of all of these particular circumstances that came, came about, uh, in a weird way, I think that there, that that is pretty much the, the encapsulation of what big numbers is. Maybe I'm just working really hard. The the story of big numbers became, Mm -hmm. um, the, the, the the story of big numbers. Um, I, I think it's one of those it's one. I know this is going to sound strange, so let me explain it. It's going. To, it's one of those true untold stories, and a real book of it could be made. But yeah. I know not, not just of big numbers, but of the story of big numbers, like you say. Well, that's and I think, exactly right. As a matter of fact, that you mentioned that. Um, uh, the the you know dear friend of of myself and so many people, uh, John Schnepp, who passed yeah. away, uh, uh, you know, from uh, several years ago, two My years first ago, now. ever interview. Yeah. Well, my oh, first ever live okay. interview. Yeah. My first live interview was at San Diego really? wow. with John Schnepp. What? Yeah. What? A, what an amazing. What a bloke. Well, he yeah. actually interviewed me at least two hours for a documentary, um, and um, we were going to pick it up and, and continue uh, <sighs> because we had a backer for it. And when they approached me to do it, and then you know, again, in a way, in a weird way, I mean, you know, John's passing as part of of, of you know. Because there's there's, oh, the there's two hours of of documentary vo- footage out there that I don't I've never the people who started you know wanted to do it and continue it I don't know where they are at all so I have no idea so it's one more factor in the mix I've you know? got a couple of emails I've got to make once we're finished here um, yeah. I've got some well, think, I've got I some think, people to chase up yeah well I mean uh, the only thing I know for certain is that uh, we shot the video in L A. And I do know that whoever it was that bought Complex Magazine, um, uh, which I guess is sort of uh, one of those, uh, you know, I don't know if it's still being done now. Uh, the magazine still comes yeah, out. But I, yeah. I think I, whoever had that, that, you know, who held that, that uh, the title or the, uh, the ownership of that, of that magazine um, were the people involved. So, yeah. You know, so if that that's not that's not an indictment or anything else. So I'm just it's like in terms of information, in terms of possible and a- avenue to explore, you yeah, know, to hopefully maybe get this out there. That'd be that would be yeah. really cool. A um, couple of comments, uh, com- questions coming in um, <laughs> into the blue mister. Uh, last question, honestly, 
don't believe that at all. Um, I mentioned earlier I've got all of Bill's convention sketchbooks. Even though there are no cons for the foreseeable future, will we get a new one this year? That's a good question. Yeah, I, I believe so. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, that's something that um, Sal and I and, and are talking about. So, yeah, we're, we've got, uh, you know, I think there's going to be a portal or whatever. I think we're going to have our own thing, you know, our own sort of separate little portal. Um, but we're going to have a bunch of a bunch of new stuff, things that I've been working on over the years. We're going to try to because most of the problem with art original art sales is that you know you have a booth set up, people come by and they like to see things, not just on a computer screen. So how can we provide as much of the real like the like you know uh, real life experience, but yet in terms of interaction? Because it's very yeah. different to get in you know, on, uh, looking at something on screen as opposed to holding a piece in your hand or seeing it in your, uh, on a wall, uh, you know, just strictly for the art, the original art aspect of it. That but there sense. will be a sketchbook. Good. That's yeah. what we like to hear. Um, okay, well, I'll get one question here, and then I've, I've got loads. Um, but we'll get as many, as many as we can. Uh, Daniel Betts is asking, maybe a stupid question. There is no such thing as a stupid question, sir. Um, never, a never such thing. No, uh, what no. was the best thing about working with Claremont and Miller on various comic titles, uh, for example, X Men and Daredevil? Well, I mean, I could be general and say the best thing was working with my friends, you know, my buddies on 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 really unique characters. And uh, to me, the 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 best thing is that they're the epitome of collaborative, but yet in two completely different ways. Um, I mean, I've been really fortunate to work with some of the best writers um, and um, uh, and collaborators and friends. So, uh, yeah, with Chris, it's it's just when we were when we did the revisiting of the New Mutants last year for the final story of um, uh, you know kind of culminating our run that was back from in the nineteen eighties. You know, Chris and I got on the phone and we had all of like, we had this like 10 minute dis discussion about how to approach it. And then all of a sudden it was like, we were like, we, time ceased to exist. We were back just talking about, about the characters and about the kids and realized that it was cool. just about telling the story. So any of the plans I had about how I wanted to approach it took to just telling the story and not pushing out into new areas and trying to confuse anybody, but in a weird way, provide a, um, a familiar territory. It's like an, a logical next step so that people who remembered the older stuff could come into it and see it as a, in the same vein. And yet other people who had no idea about it um, at the time and sort of became fans of the work later could see it as a brand new, a brand new project. Um, so, and the same with Frank, I mean, Frank and I, we would just constantly challenge each other, you know, I mean, we were just literally back and forth and it are with, with Frank, certainly, I mean, with Electra Assassin, <clears throat> um, we had some of the most hilarious, you know, interactions and times together. Cause it was just, we just enjoyed what we were doing. And just the fact that he would write something, I would take it and sort of, it would go into my you know, my screwed up head and just, it would be like this synaptic kind of chaos. And then I would come back with, with all the things 
that it impacted me in, in terms of the story to tell the story, but do it in a very unique way or my own way. And then Frank would go and rewrite. You know, and I'm, I'm really curious as to what that relationship was like with uh, working with Frank. I'd really love to know what his scripts were like for yourself. Um, because, I mean, the man, <laughs> the man's a phenomenal artist in his own right. He knows how to compose a story, but he wants to let you fly. He wants to let you have your creative uh, input as well. I'm, I'm really curious to what that collaborative um, effort was like, in well, knowing, also- that, knowing that he could put um, pen to paper and Oh, really, he can. Well, I think that that's yeah. also a, the plus. It's sort of like a director who's also acted. He knows right. what the actors have gone through. So he knows how much or how little you need, you know. Because um, uh, the last thing I like, and that's why when I work with Chris, um, I, I prefer working from plots. Where it's, right, you know, okay. So... And that, you know, to, to bring, uh, you know, big numbers into it, you know, Alan's work is so dense that um, the, you know, the, that the idea of, of running with something uh, as I normally do wasn't really an option on, say, big numbers with Alan because the story was so, so very much specific about what he was doing. And so, uh, I couldn't go off and do, you know, goofy kinds of, of digressions. Um, even though he said, look, if you want to run with it, go right ahead and do that, you know, but I felt like it would have to be for a reason if I'm going to do that. And yet I was also so much in awe of what he was doing. And I felt like my job was to simply tell the story, uh, that story, specific story. So my natural inclination, like when I was working with Frank, when when I the very first uh, issue of Electra Assassin, Frank's script was pretty pretty dense, and um, uh, there was a lot of gra- gravitas to what he was writing because his stuff could, was very grim, you know, at the time after, especially after Dark Knight, <clears throat> and my own mechanism for for how I grew up was that my art was also a way of uh, playing counterpoint. So if something was very heavy, uh, my own innate sense of dark sense of humor would come into it. So I, I found that, that the, what, what Frank was writing, uh, like say about the, the opening of Electra where her father gets killed. Um, I thought it might be interesting to sort of show it from the point of view of her as a kind of like this, this cartoon childlike drawing of her inside her mom's belly, you know, and it was just, and none of that was in there, but it was um, uh, in terms of the script. But I felt the last thing I wanted to do was sort of have the word say that one thing and then the picture say exactly the same thing. Yeah. So it was my way of trying to do a, provide a counterpoint so that the word could be very, very heavy, but the images could be light and, and vice versa. Well, like, what, was again, the, what was the reaction when you told him that? Well, I didn't. I didn't tell him. I just showed it. <laughs> I just, I just turned in the pages. It was like because I, I at that point, I, um, I had no idea what I was going to do. All I knew is that as I was doing it, it just seemed the right way to do it, um, or the or the way that I needed to do it. I can't say that there was any great plan. 
of like, oh, I'm going to do this and upset, like try to like try some new stuff or try uh, to upset the apple cart or to do it, do something edgy. <clears throat> um, there was, there was no cynical kind of game plan about like over the years, I've had a number of different publishers come to me and they'll say, we really want to do something bold and innovative. And I go, if you're saying that you're already in the hole, because it's like, you, you can't, Plan, it's like you know. It's a hiding. I mean, it's yes. a hiding. To, it's a hiding to nothing. And two, it also doesn't mean a great deal. You can't. Well, exactly. Yeah. It's like it, it's sort of look. We all know the Beatles could sort of sit down and write a swimming pool, as they said. You know, it's like. <laughs> but if they were going to do us any song, whatever, they never. I mean, I think like Robert Plant and Jimmy Page probably knew that that Stairway to Heaven was a good song, but I don't think they realized it was going to be you know, the bane of their existence, certainly for plants, you know, that bloody wedding song. So it's, it's, I don't think that when you plan on something, it like the old idea of, well, if you want to hear God, God laugh, tell him your plans. Yeah. When I would, when I was working on a lecture and even dared uh, the love and war, um, that was really my, my, which, which actually came first. Love and War came first because it was actually going to be a, some, uh, an, a couple of issues in the regular run. Then Shooter saw the pages and said, do it as a graphic novel. And so I got a chance to play with color and, and like very much animation style. Like Kingpin became this big hulking yeah. creature. And, um, which must have been in interesting to watch on Spider-Verse. When... That, was, that, was that, <laughs> that must have been a little surreal. It was uh, yeah, and luckily I saw the film by myself. Even though I invited, been invited to some of the uh, uh, screenings, I didn't even know they were they were using my version um, until they called me up to do a poster. So when they invited me to uh, to some of the the the, the premiere the showings, I, at that time I was actually too busy to get out. <clears throat> and um, but I found a, a, like I I went to a theater like late one night and by myself because it was just, I'm just going to go. I'm not going to like, like bring a couple of people with me because I don't want to like, it's like, I just need to get it in there, get it. It's like, watch it and then leave and get back to it. Almost like I was playing hooky from the, like, you know, from the rest of what I needed to do. And I'm glad I went by myself because I was just like mouth agape and just sort of like, you know, <laughs> wiping a couple of like errant tears away from my, uh, from my eyes, just sort of like, wow. Um, but at the time, I nobody we didn't think it was going to mean anything in terms of like any kind of cultural or sustaining impact. Yeah. Um, it, I was even asked this during the second season premiere of Legion, where they where the reporter asked me how what my thoughts were about how well received and critically acclaimed the series was. That's one and, of my questions. Yeah. Well, but I, I said, you know, he goes, what are your thoughts about that? I said, I, I'm still amazed they let us do the comic. It's like, I'm, I'm way behind back there kind of going like the fact that we're here now at like, in the, like, there's a, uh, like a red carpet and that I'm, I'm there's, there's Dan Stevens and Noah Hawley and, and, uh, uh, oh God, what my, I'm blanking it's my, on her name. It's my, it's my favorite, um, Aubrey Plaza. No, Aubrey, uh, there the, we yeah, go, the, of course, yes. My, my, it is uh, no hyperbole. It's my favorite TV show of the last 10 years. 
it's really spectacular, isn't it? Just yeah, love that. yeah, love it. it's really love it. it's 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 just brilliant. And you know, and and you know, having I mean, I've gotten to become quite good friends with uh, Navid, um, who is just just phenomenal as as a person and, and as a talent. Um, but um, but the uh, the idea that you're watching whatever we did, Chris and I did, sort of translated in by other artists and creative people into something else. It's that concept of that Jasper Johns plussing of something and just taking it and running with it and running with it and doing something to it. And then, and then it in, in essence kind of circles back and inspires me. So it's, it shows sort of the, the universality of creativity and it, it's all, it's all cyclical, you know, yeah. uh, if you don't cut yourself off or shut yourself off from, from the level of impact. So, um, so yeah, I think that uh, you know, working with Frank and with Chris, and then playing with each other's you know approaches, um, and uh, allowing for the the point and counterpoint. Because the one thing I will say, whether it's Alan or Chris or Doug or uh, um, or Frank, uh, is that it, the story is really everything. It's like all everything else that sort of goes into the mix about how to approach it and everything else that. I certainly feel that the story d tells me, in my case, how it wants to be done, and that's sort yeah. of what I'm still struggling with 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 Parisian White. Is is you know, I'm, I keep trying to, uh, you know, assert my will over it, and it's just going no. It, this isn't. It's it doesn't want to be that. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, it's uh, it's uh, it's it's a pretty. Uh, fascinating you know collaborative thing and that's one of the things that, that comics has that um i mean I, I it's a question i always want to ask um frank quietly it's a question i always want to ask um well anyone who's worked with the likes of neil gaiman uh with um the likes of uh uh oh good grief uh <laughs> mind is um blanks on me grant morrison uh, i mean when you see the scripts that they do and They've they've clearly touching on so many reference points and so much mm -hmm. intellectual property, and they're right. they're going into some real deep stuff. And I have, I, I the question, and I I know for a fact that if I ask it, I'm going to get slapped. Um, do you, basically as an artist, do you have to be as intelligent as a writer? <laughs> do you have to kind of keep up with the the mental processes that they're firing on? Because I can imagine even Frank Quietly could be looking at a, a Grant Morrison script and going, "Okay, I've got to do some reading." Um, <laughs> oh sure, yeah. Well, speaking of Grant, I've actually there was a there was a story that he had done that was going to be in one of the later issues of Heavy Metal that I have that I'm actually you know I did I did the layouts for it, and it's a very kind of unusual story that I at some point I'm assuming um, you know we'll get we'll get it out there, but uh, I'll work I'll work on it with all my copious spare time, um, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, there is that. And I felt that way with, with Alan, you know, um, uh, certainly in terms of the complexity, but I love artists. And I mean, I love the, the art that the challenge of sort of someone like having you up your game. Yeah. Um, and, uh, uh, because it's, it's, it's almost requisite. And if, um, to, to be part of it, you know, to be part of like, 
maybe not echoing or mirroring what the, uh, what the you know the writer's doing but certainly bringing something hopefully on a on a similar level of um even though they they might not necessarily overlap in terms of a Venn diagram but maybe they're like two equal things that the third you know where they touch that tangent yeah. will be something unusual because there's the words and the pictures and the combination of the two says is is an, another entity entirely um but yeah that's a good question I, when that's, i was that's so interesting frank, way of putting it that's so interesting way of putting it um well, you, well, with frank you, i mean just oh. to, real quick just when you mentioned neil i mean when i worked with him uh, when neil and i became friends i mean years and years ago um we had actually wanted to work together on some some story that had to do with obsession um and we you know we did we didn't happen because obviously you know um uh neil uh took over on sandman and of course just ran with other creative avenues that he went in but when i finally worked with him on the uh the delirium story um he gave me kind of a general idea of what he wanted and then i went in and do what i do which is kind of go off on a a, a jazz tangent and then he came back in and sort of herded all the cats to make it <laughs> to make it a uh, a cohesive story to the point where he actually did something frank hadn't done because frank would take my pages and rewrite what neil, what neil had really? done oh, okay yeah because i it was like he realized in certain ways that maybe he didn't need to have any verb any any captions here or maybe he's well, going that, that, is, that is jazz then that's yeah oh, I, no, it, to me it's very much jazz and what what um uh but with, with but again with the purpose because with with neil did he actually took pages i had i had rejected and wanted to see everything i had done and then he ended up not only rewriting but jostling the pages around and and reordering them and then adding his his um you know his his work on top and it became its own thing so as much as he may have been cursing me you know for 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 you know throwing things at him the way that I did it, in a way there is something about the jazz aspect of it that is uh uh you know, I mean, it's like he took, he herded all those cats and some of them were, you know, literally, you know, scat singing and some of them were playing harmonica and some were, you know, were doing a mean piano, but other ones were just sort of, you know, how, how are you going to pull this together? But yeah, it, it is what it is. And I love that. That's the one thing about the collaborative medium of comics that is, um, is a plus that you don't see it say in, in large productions of TV or cinema where you sure. you can have two people you know you don't need an entire you know group well we'll, to... well we'll kind of dovetail into something there then uh, but just quickly I, I will note um usually when i started off this season um i wanted to keep all the episodes to a tight hour we're mm -hmm. now at two hours ten um <laughs> wow. I, I don't want to keep you away from your board or i don't want to keep you away from the rest of your day um so i will say we'll have a an end to this we'll, okay. we'll definitely because sure. otherwise, okay. otherwise trust me i could just keep going all day i i have no problem with that but I don't want to. I don't want to keep you from the rest of the day. But I do. Um, do have some questions. Uh, sure. Just a couple to wrap things up on. Okay. 
Um, I mean, very quickly as well with a couple of comments. Into the Blue Mister, when I saw Bill's version of the Kingpin in the Spider-Verse movie, I wanted to jump up and down and shout to the other people in the theater, oh my God, do you know where that comes from? I am with you on that one. I totally get it. Totally get it. Um, talking about the that collaborative effort then with uh, uh, other media and um, with New Mutants, uh, we have to talk about it because it's been a long time coming. I'm certain you are as frustrated as the rest of us. We want to see this out on the screen. And I've loved hearing you being the the, the uncle to the cast, which is just yeah. brilliant. Yeah. Uh, ready to almost ready to walk in front of gunfire for them over the criticism that oh, people have yeah. had about what wanting to see this out, what tone it's gonna be. It must have been so frustrating to see how the frustration has been treated from the top brass, almost shunted down the pole at every turn. I mean, can you Talk about well, what your it, thoughts are on New Mutants. Well, I mean, it, it's sort of, um, you know, having been part of it and yet also kind of removed as a kind of a visitor to the, you know, because I do totally respect what um, what Josh and Nate and, and um, you know, the producers have done in the cast. So um, it's it's their baby. I mean, they're, yes, they're they're basing it on what Chris and I did. But uh, Josh is a phenomenal writer. It's like, it's, and I've seen the last build, so to speak, build or last version of it, um, because I started working on the, the poster, a couple of posters, as a matter of fact, and, so, and some stuff for the film, um, credits and whatnot. But uh, I, the first time, a couple of times I watched it was just to get my, my head around it. Um, and then, then I did watch it just to get some of the images. So I'm sorry, say again. It just dropped out there. Hello. Yeah. So you've seen it? Yeah, I've seen. I've seen. I've seen the film. Uh, I mean, I was there for the filming, and that's when I saw the entire cast and said, "You, you're." Yeah. I've just watched. I watched them all, and I said. You're all you're all terrific, and I, and I literally felt like I said I'll, I'll walk. You know, it's like anybody gives you any crap, it's like they got to go through me. It's like I don't, I'm not a, I'm not a, I don't have kids, but I'm I'm the crazy <laughs> uncle. So yeah, but it's like, uh, and the film is really good. It's I mean it's really really good. Um, and to what you said about the the way it had been treated from the brass. I think that um, there was a lot of speculation going around that, you know, and talks about rewrites and reshoots and things like that didn't happen. I mean, the only thing that hadn't been shot that needed to be shot was, was one very specific scene which had been planned. So it wasn't, you know, um, something like that. they needed to go kind of go back into it and, and, and reconfigure it. Um, but the plus of it is they had given all of the attention to Phoenix, to the Dark Phoenix film. And I think that the, the brass right. sort of felt, you know, it had kind of didn't suffer by omission. It actually was, was benign. There was a benign kind of neglect where it was like they just left it over on the side because at the time that, the merger happened or the devouring or the whatever you want to call it between Disney and Fox. Um, 
that was the first time I was going to be where I was working on some poster ideas. And then everybody was up, up in the air about what was going to happen. And it took a while for it to, to sort of shake down or shake out. <clears throat> and then later on, after I'd seen the film, there were so many things in it that where I just, I literally um, was in awe of how well it, it's done because the characters, it's, it's, it's not only what Chris and I had done, but as a film and as as a, an ensemble cast, um, it, it you really care about these characters. It's like they're not. Um, I wanted to know more, and I I was very much sort of viewing at it as an audience member, kind of going, would I would I want to see more with these with these people? It's like watching you Jackman as as Wolverine. Yeah. It's like you know that kind of a thing. It's like all these characters, the way that they interact, it's like they so embody the characters. It's like, I would definitely see them as an X-Men. It's like the, like the second group of, of X-Men, like with the, um, uh, you know, uh, as opposed to say Patrick Stewart, or whatever. I mean, not that all the, the newer actors aren't phenomenally talented, you know, but having, uh, seen the original version with with Jackman and with with uh, Patrick Stewart and and even you know um uh you know the 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 maligning that that uh uh Holly Berry had gone under for you know it's like you know what 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 happens when a frog is hit by electricity it's like you I know that's never kind understood of that yeah I never understood yeah. I mean well, that, that, was, some, that, was, that was all, that was that was that was the script I mean yeah. that was a script that was a script, absolutely. But I think there were some other parts that kind of the linkage that actually made sense. Sure. But um, uh, yeah, it, and I just think that they left it alone, and in a weird kind of a way, the fact that they did leave it alone, they didn't try to throw money at it the way that they did at at the at the sort of they they wanted that big blockbuster on a, a of a, with with uh, the Dark Phoenix film, um, and hence raising that level, the level of the expectation. Um, I think it's, it's not a bloated Hollywood film. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's a really wonderful character study about kids. It's a, it's a horror film for sure. And it, what's fascinating about it is that um, it takes the horror tropes uh, and uh, subverts them because, you know, usually you see in a horror film one, you know, you get you get five six characters or five characters, and then they make a series of dumb decisions. Like, don't I'm going to go in there by myself and check out that sound. You know, uh, I'll be right back. You know, and you know the diminishing numbers doesn't happen in this case because they have to come together. So it right. takes that and subverts it. You know, uh, but does it in an incredibly brilliant way. Um, That's what I'm looking forward to. I mean, if yeah. anything, I just want to see what the tone. Is because I mean, yeah. we, like you, like you say, we've seen the Hollywood um, take on X Men. We've seen the the big screen, the big epic. I want to see the the. I mean, like we saw with Legion, like we saw right. um, that real kind of character intimate pieces. That's what I'm looking well, that's forward a, to. That's a great word that you said. The, the word intimate. It's 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 very much about the characters. It's an intimate setting. It's an intimate story because it takes place pretty much in one setting. Because, yeah. like it, you know, as it did in in the in the um, uh, the original run of the comic, you know. And um, I can't say enough about it. And I think that um, they do have it slated to come out. I think in 
August, if I'm not yeah, mistaken. It's, so it's, um, it's somewhere. Well, I mean, <laughs> the running joke that I've been saying online is um, I'll believe that New Mutants is coming out the moment I'm in a cinema or in front of a screen and I see the title card, right. New Mutants. Right. Please, well, let's just I've had some discussions with the executives about, because uh, like I said, I've been working on the poster. Sure. And um, so I've had some discussions about with, with the executives about a couple of things that are upcoming, which leads me to believe that it is moving forward. And I think that we all sort of feel, I mean, Maisie and, and, and Anya and, and Henry, you know, and everybody, they're all, everybody's like getting older. It's like, they, you know, they look back at them. I'm sure they're looking at, at themselves like, Oh my God, I was such a kid in that, you know, but, um, uh, and there have been sort of series of false starts, but, um, but I do think that it will be worth the wait, really very Good. much so, yeah. That's what we like to hear. Um, into the Blue Mister um, saying, I, I just hope it's not going to be another Inhumans. Yeah, I, I, no. I, no. I, know, I know where you're coming from on that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, there's the, the, it, the story potential. I hope it delivers. And from what you're yeah. saying, that's great that we're yeah. going to hear that. Right, I'm going to ask one last and then I'm going to let you get, get off. I'm going to let you go and enjoy the rest of your day. Um, and this is more about, um, I mean, when people talk about you and the, the, the work that you've done, uh, I mean, the, the same usual suspects come to the fore in conversation. And we, we brought them up on, in this conversation today. And quite rightfully, they, they, they're great to look back on and, um, uh, just, and talk about. But has there been a work or a project which you've worked on that you are especially proud of that you feel hasn't had the, the attention, the spot, it's time in its spotlight that it deserves? Um, you know, that's, that's a good question. I mean, I, I uh, sort of thinking of them as like, as the person who sort of at each point you know, like, cause I'm so used to answering questions where people say, do you have a favorite? And it's like, <laughs> like saying, uh, like picking my favorite kid, you know? Yeah. I mean, I do feel like even with toasters, which is sort of like a real bizarre piece of work. Um, I do find that, that like the response in Europe was very different than the response in the States. And I do find that, that, um, uh, it sold well, but I find also that the fans of it are, really rabid fans it's like and it, even if there's no superheroes associated with it you know um and uh you know even like with with moon knight the one difference there is that i felt like with doug that i was he got the very sort of um rough raw version of me it's like the i you know like i was learning not that we're not hopefully always learning, but I yeah. sort of felt like I was not fully formed. He sort of got the larval me. So I, I think that in terms of That's what my plans were for the character um, might be a little bit different, you know, now if I were to revisit that. Um, but, uh, uh, but yeah, there are a number of pieces that I look at where I feel like they didn't get the, the attention that they got, that they should have gotten or, um, or conversely, like say for like even the Hendrix book, I look at that as um, uh, I think it's art, art, visually. I feel like it's actually something I'm pretty proud of. But but story wise and and creatively, I look at that as kind of a failure 
because there were things that I wanted to try and do with it that I ended up having to negotiate or, you know, quote, pick my battles in terms sure. of how I wanted to approach certain things. But, um, but the, the other aspect of that, of your question is, is that once I do, I do uh, anything at a certain point, once it's out there, it's, it's almost like it's not mine anymore. It's, right. it's like people, um, I used to think, well, if I put a lot of time into this, then people are going to respond to it because they can tell. And then other times I've done things very quickly and they've sort of come together and it feels right. And so it has nothing to do with time. It has to do with, with I think, a certain level of integrity of like if, if you're telling the story well. Honesty, I think, as well. Yeah, honest. That's that's it. Exactly. So, um, uh, so yeah, I think uh, – I, I'm I'm almost like I have my own might have my own feelings and they might change from one day to the next. But at a certain point, I almost feel like that's all. Like my, my, how I feel about it is almost irrelevant because it's out there, and if people love it, they love it. If they don't, they don't. But um, uh, you know, to me, it, it's 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 its own entity out there in the world and uh, for better or worse it's you know it people are responding to it the way that they are so um uh and i don't feel like that necessarily like i'm trying to abdicate <laughs> with answering the question you know but um uh, uh I, you know, I, certainly- I i think i think i got where you i mean i get where you're coming from and i right. get what you're saying if anything because um yeah, there is that sense of. I mean, I've I've done panels and I've I've talked to creators about that, and there is that sense of. Um, I, mean, I think I spoke to Dave Gibbons about Watchmen about um, putting pages out and how the the audience basically made it their own. He mm-hmm. some to some degree he doesn't feel that Watchmen belongs to him anymore. Um, right, I because can how because because the concept and the ideas and the book itself, it's it's now means so much to so many other people that there is that sense of, right. set, you know, if you love something, set it free. Well, yeah, absolutely, and but at the same time, and and it is that part of what I think made that work is that is that I don't think any other artist could have done and brought to. I mean, it would not have been. It's obvious. But it's yet also not obvious because it's sort of like no other artist could have made Watchmen watch so distinctly Watchmen. Other artists might have come close, like, you know, or, or done something, but it would not have been the, the unique combination of those two, you know, and, and, and John Higgins with the coloring yeah. as well, you know. Um, I, I mean, I've, I've got the Watching the Watchmen book, the Chip Kid right. uh, piece on it. Um, and I mean, I kind of I came to opening that book rather naively because I enjoy Watchmen. I've got the absolute. I, I right. love the book, but um, it feels so natural and organic on the page. You, yeah. It, the the what what David was doing with the absolute precision, the uh, creating a watch, uh, yes. and uh, yeah. he was very much Osterman putting that book together. But you don't twig that until you really kind of start peeling apart the layers, and that right. sense of ownership is very, very impressive. Yeah, but, it yeah. very much is true, and and I think um, well, it's like just you know to to add one other little note to to your question. Um, it's like when Frank and I did Electra Assassin, we 
you know, I would turn in pages and, and Joe Duffy uh, would, you know, or Archie would, would say, you know, call up Frank and say, Bill brought in pages. So we don't know what quite what we're looking at, you know, because it was so different than what they, what any of it ex- expected. Certainly what I'd expected, because I would just do the pages and it'd be like this puddle of sweat at the end. And I go like, I don't know what this is, but it felt the way to right. approach it. Like there was something there. And I think that we we thought that when the book would come out, that we would get some kind of response, you know, either love or hate. Um, what we got immediately in the aftermath was just silence for about a week and a half, two weeks. And I think <laughs> it took a while for people to sort of talk to each other and say, well, what did you think? It was like it was sort of the shock of the new. Um, and uh, so, you know, even with us, in terms of what we thought, you know, there was a point when Frank and I said, well, I guess it's, we just, you know, chalk it up as a, as a miss and let's go back to, to something else. Really? You know? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'd, I'd have thought the conversation would be more like they either get it, it they either dig it or they don't. It, right. Like you say, we're back to the whole jazz conversation again. It's, yeah, exactly. They, they, yeah. they either, they either dig the riffs. Uh, right. we're, we're very much going Minkus on this one. Um, but, yeah. I mean, they, you, you either dig the groove or you don't. Right. Um, well, I think I think with Frank, I think Frank is uh, is so, and I, he and I both we share this in a way where we we want we do us we do something, and I think that the last thing we we'd rather have people despise something than than ignore it, than feel apathetic about it. So in yeah. a weird way, we were almost expecting like we it's like we hope they the last the thing we don't want is is silence and that was the thing that threw us but once you know the, the sort of floodgates did open they really opened but um you know but for for a week there i think we were both pretty confused because it was sort of like how could they not at least hate this it's like you know i mean hopefully they'll love it you know but how could they at least not go like what the f- is this you know but uh you, you never know. And that's what I mean about it. Once it goes out there, it's, it's, it, it is no longer, you know, whatever, whoever did it, did it yeah. know, directed, uh, draw, write, acted musically or otherwise. Makes sense. Makes yeah. sense. Um, final two couple of comments. I mean, into the blue, Mr. Is pointing out um, a personal favorite is his brought to light, mm-hmm. which he feels uh, deserved. Well. Yeah. Uh, and also uh, making the comment, I, I told you it wasn't going to be the last thing he said. Um, <laughs> interesting take on the combination thing makes you think what would happen if David Lloyd had drawn Watchmen and if David Gibbons had drawn V for Vendetta. Whoa, yeah. that's going to be a mental exercise that's going to take my evening. Yeah, that's the well, thing I was going to say. Thank you. That'll be well. You know, when you're doing it, you're just across the pond, just imagining me do the same, doing the same thing. Yeah. Bloody hell. Um, and Rob Salkowitz is uh, dropping oh. by as well. He's saying um, uh, two of my favorite people. Oh, you're one of mine. So there yes, you go. Well, nice, so nice there, we have three of our favorite people together here at this moment. So yes. Good to, good to hear yeah. from you, uh, Rob. Um, right. We'll let you get off. We will. Oh we'll no, it's, you, it's like, it's uh, I, it, this has been an absolute pleasure. And I, you know, so, Hey, if we did, it's like, just look at this as, as, the other hour from the last time I didn't make it. So it's all, we'll just put it together. You know, it was I appreciate a, con- that. a continued as so, I appreciate um, that. but absolutely my pleasure. And uh, no thank worries. you everybody for, for, uh, for the questions and the comments and, and for, you know, for your understanding in terms of 
last last time. So it's no been worries. it's been it's, it's been a, a real pleasure. So thank you. I hope to see you in person sometime. Oh, relatively. good God, yes, please. Yeah. yeah. Um, something that we've been doing on the show, and I think this is how we'll wrap up on the, the episode. Um, and I, the, the, uh, the post that I put up and you saw of um, the, the Brian Dennehy mm -hmm. um, thing that uh, we put up, and you may see your details there on screen, guys, everyone. Those are the links you need to check out. Um, this was off something that we did for this particular run of um, episodes during lockdown. I wanted to showcase artists that were really putting things out onto social media that were kind of sort of brightening up people's social media uh, in this real difficult time. Right. Um, and we'll wrap up on this. Um, is there any artists that you have spotted on your social media feeds, on your Instagram or on your Twitter? Uh, or on your Facebook or wherever that has really kind of made you look forward to their work during lockdown. Um, not necessarily kind of retro pieces that they've put up and just gone, oh, this is what I did a year ago or whatever, but something that they've been doing during lockdown to keep their feed going. Is there any feeds that um, have been? Yeah, there there are. There's a number of, of uh, uh, painters uh, that I've been following on Instagram that I don't have I mean, their their names uh, like right at the tip of my tongue. We'll, we'll find them. We'll yeah. put them in the description. Okay. Go for it. Yeah, I'll do that. Yeah, and I'll, I'll I'll add to that, but I'll 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 look them up. But uh, but yeah, there but there are um, uh, yeah, there's a number of people both in comics and outside of comics as well. So yeah, I'll I'll get you I'll get you those in the, the info and we can add to that. So. But Fair enough. Thank you so much. No worries. Well, it's been a pleasure talking to you. We, I mean, Same. we showed the link. We showed the link up on the screen. Um, but where is ideally the best place for people to see work that you do? Is it Instagram? Is it Twitter? Where's where? Yeah, would, I think where, if you want to point on all the media. I mean, I'm I you know I'll post a lot of my own stuff on on Facebook, but I'm also out there on Twitter um, at at Sinkevich, uh, S I N. K E V I T C uh, I T C H, and um, Instagram. Uh, I have my own, which is the real the real that Polish guy, and um, and then there's also Bilsenkevich Art, which is uh, through Sal uh, and um, and you know the the team who put put out. They keep my stuff out there constantly. Yeah. So. You, well, yeah. I think I'm going. I may have to use you as my conduit to kind of build some bridges. Because um, I did kind of upset Sal, and um, uh, uh, yeah. Oh well, we'll we'll, we'll, we'll talk because it's you know it's it's, uh, <laughs> it, it it it. I was going to say uh, if uh, if if Sal's upset you, you know it's, you you may have done something right. It's like I, I try I try to upset him every time I get it. You know, <laughs> like, keep, keeps things real between us. It's like you know. We're still we're still brothers, right? Because we're fighting. No, it's like no. I love him. He'll, he, I'm sure you guys will be fine. But we'll, fair we'll, we'll, we'll talk. <laughs> fair, enough, fair enough. Bill, it's been a right. pleasure. Thank you so much indeed for coming on. And oh, thank it, you I so mean, much. this is it has easily been a highlight of this particular run uh, of episodes. Thank you so oh, much indeed you. for uh, taking time. And uh, my, Absolutely my pleasure. Anytime. anytime. Stay safe. And, um, you as well. Yeah, look after yourself. And my best to your dad. Um, thank you. Thank you. you. And, uh, and I, I hope finally when the move is finished, uh, that everything is in place and the house is looking yeah. good. Yeah, absolutely. And then if we do another one of these, it'll be, you know, like right now you can tell, like I've got cardboard boxes behind me that for my paintings and it's rather dark in here right now. Um, 
but I think that the the big difference will be it'll be a lot there will be a lot more sun so in the, <laughs> in the newer dig so we'll have to do this again with with you know sort of like where I've descended like right now I mean, I'm in I'm in the hole you know uh, we'll we'll do one where I've actually I'm above ground in the sunlight so I we'll would do a metaphorical would, thing out of it yeah I would love to have you back anytime sir be my pleasure excellent thank stuff. you and thank you so Bill. much again and. Everybody, thank you so much for, your, for, uh, for all the great questions and for, for tuning in. Excellent. Take care, and I'll, Take I'll care. see you soon. Thank Take you. Bye-bye. Wow. Wow. Um, so there you go. Um, that was an epic show um, and well worth the time. Um, an interesting um, conversation with an interesting guy, um, and I really hope you enjoyed that. It was well worth the wait, wasn't it? Bill Sienkiewicz uh, joining us on the show. Right. Um, we were going to talk about um, some things that are happening in the industry at the moment. Uh, but obviously, that is, um, I mean, we'll, we'll cover that certainly on the show that we're going to be doing on Sunday. Uh, we have ourselves um, two very interesting people returning to uh, the show. Uh, we've got ourselves... Oh, hang on. Wrong, uh, wrong graphic. Try again. Um, we have this graphic here, which is what I wanted to pull up. There we go. It's the last episode of the month. It's uh, Russ Burlingame uh, from comicbook.com and Mike Avelia returning to talk about everything that has happened in the last month, considering that, I mean, we talked about this uh, the last time they are on, things are happening and changes uh, take place on a daily basis. And safe to say the last month, we have had so much happening. So yes, we will be talking about Comic Book Legal Defense Fund. We'll be talking about various... Um, revelations that have come out in the last 48 hours, which has certainly led to an almost Me Too um, moment in comics today. Uh, we're also going to be talking about DC. We're going to be talking about all sorts of stuff. It's going to be cool to have them back. Russ Burlingame and Mike Avelia are going to be joining us this Sunday, 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. GMT, and we'll get into all sorts of stuff. Thank you so much indeed for joining us. It's been one hell of a show. Um, we're two, two hours, 40 minutes. How about that for an epic uh, episode? I hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, I mean, we've got um, Dan Berry uh, having a great time. Um, yes, I didn't bring up the um, New Mutants piece that he did uh, on the cover because I think that's been talked enough. Uh, I didn't want to kind of labor the point, but I'm, I'm grateful for it. And it's uh, Dan, thank you so much indeed for getting that to me. Into the blue, mister, did I just dream all of that? You're asking me, man. You're asking me. Good God. Uh, and Aaron Nabus loved it. I really am glad that everyone's enjoyed it. Um, thank you so much indeed for tuning in. Um, we're back again, 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. GMT. Mike Avelia and Russ Burlingame on the return for those two on Talking Con, a cup of tea with an Englishman in San Diego. From myself, Leonard, and from Bill Sienkiewicz, take care, stay safe, wear your masks, wash your hands, and we'll see you on Sunday. Take care.